<laughs> Good start. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Bastards Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and a scene-by-scene breakdown of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly, hey. Matt Polly. Hey there. Together, we are the Inglorious Bastards. Did I... Uh, have you watched it? Oh, yeah. Did I see Riley from Letterkenny? Yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so in the he's, trailer, I was like, wait, wait, was that Riley? Spo- Fuck you, Riley. This isn't really a spoiler, but he is the uh, the coach of the Mighty Ducks. Okay. And it's, yeah, the, in the new iteration. Fuck you, Shorzy. Fuck you, Riley. <laughs> um, bracket challenge. I've got to, damn it, i got to start watching it because I'll i got to keep up with you. Uh, the, the the bracket challenge. Um, I'm still in it, baby. I'm number two. Oh, is it too late to fill one of those yeah, out? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I was gonna ask. I, I really didn't know if you filled one out or not. <laughs> Eat shit. God. I thought I assumed you were stoked to be here. <laughs> Currently in dead last. <laughs> they have LSU winning. Oh boy! Wait, why? <laughs> I don't know. Good God! That's a, that's a dark horse. Boy. Dark horse. It's one of those. It's like a thousand to one odds or something. There and are you two put people who five dollars on you. It. The other one is I'm so basic or basic. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably basic. Well, no, it has two S's. Was it Kim's brother? So Kim Basic? What? Never mind. I was trying to make a Kim Basic. Boy, that. Uh, <laughs> it's, pronounced, it's, it's pronounced exactly the same as mine. It's, it's basing it. No, it's not. Wait, are you guys yeah. related? No, we're not. Uh, it is pronounced the same. I've never heard it pronounced bass. Yeah, Kim you've heard people. Yeah. I have heard it pronounced yeah. bass singer. <laughs> Boy, what is <laughs> wrong? Anyway, you so start calling Michael Kim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only if I can call you Yeezy. <laughs> uh, what? What the hell's happening? What are, you should what? check out my tape. It's all her age. Um. Yeah. So Jason Williams is number one right now, and um, he'll pr- he will probably win. Who's he have winning all? Uh, I, I gotta read this. Um. <laughs> so this is what uh, we got. We we're on. What what? Are, this is the Streamyard. Speak the Speakeasy. Speak yeah. Pastor Speakeasy. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Pastor's Podcast. It's gonna be a slow episode. Jordan McKay <laughs> said you might need to dial up the speed on this one. Uh, <laughs> he said it's one thirty five. AM here. I waited up specifically uh, to answer Michael's question for the ask the listeners what they're wearing section last time. Uh, and I was wearing nothing then, and I wear nothing now. <laughs> Haven't worn anything in bed for years. Good night. Good night. Pixar <laughs> didn't happen. Oh, no. Send them at, at Pauline Matt. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> Next week, we're doing Ask a Pastor. We need tons, shit tons of questions. So silly, serious. Um, it's our 250th episode. Any kind of, um, <clears throat> any, if you want to like. <laughs> what are you going to say, man? Go full confessional on it. You can do that. Um, tell us about any crimes you've we committed. Call, we should call the 250th taxi cab confession. <laughs> yes. Tell us all your taxi cab confessions. We are bringing in Bojangles <laughs> Appalachia, a.k.a. Um, Brandon Andrus. <laughs> wait, 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 what's his real name? What? Wait, Brandon for- Andrus, allegedly. Uh, Bronson Van Driesen. Yeah. So he's coming in, uh, and you can, if you have any questions for him, call 484-PASTORD. Uh, That's 484 484- Call Brandon. 
Here, call Brandon. Here's Taylor. his number. 484812. <laughs> no, no, <stop. laughs> We need to do that. Every week, give one more digit. <laughs> But, so you get the you got the area code first. You remember, next, you have to wait the next seven weeks for the rest of it. When Tom Green did that on TRL, <laughs> it was giving away people's phone numbers. But he didn't realize like the sign was up against a, a glass facing Times Square, and they could see all the digits. <laughs> and he gave away. I think I think it was a sidekick's phone number, which is just hilarious. Um. Anyway, Bojangles is coming next week. Uh, <laughs> 484 Pastor, that's 484 727 8373. Uh, ask for Bojangles. Yeah, ask for, for Bojangles. <laughs> um, and we're going to go live in uh, Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. I, I yeah. forgot to ask you that, but. No, we wait, talked about no, it. Slash okay. Pastors Pub. No. No. Nope. We're doing we're it on, on, the, the page. On, the, on the main page of Facebook. Yeah. Because yeah. it's 250th. All right. Dot com slash Pastors Podcast. We'll, Are we'll, we going to get flagged for that for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> we just won't have a music segment. Okay. So it's fine. Nobody cares. Um, yeah. Without further ado, yeah. So, so do that. Do the thing. Do the ask yeah, the questions. Um, without further ado, uh, hey, hey, what are you drinking? Hey, hey, I've been thinking that if we're gonna get through this, we're gonna need some fluid. So, hey, hey, what are you? Who cares? Are you, are you, why do you have to show the can? I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> Ow. Ow, there's a cabinet there. Uh, it's literally just us and Jordan washing. That's why we're <laughs> naked while he's naked. I'm uncomfortable. We should switch spots some week. <laughs> Where he's fully clothed in bed and we're naked. Support <laughs> us at the $1,000 level. <laughs> what did I miss? thousand dollar patreon level wall and after three months we'll do it <laughs> naked no we'll more. do the podcast naked oh my god you can wear cock sock if you'd like <laughs> cock socks are optional is that what they're called no i don't think they have a name like officially like i don't cock sock. i feel like that works about as well as anything does it seems like it makes sense. I mean, call it what it is. It's my cock in a sock. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Well, God. Why, does, is... why does it crunch when I walk? <laughs> oh. Why don't more people pay to watch this? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine why not. Oh, God. Why does it crunch when I walk? What are we doing? What's going What are we drinking? What are you having, Michael? I'm drinking uh, Ray Electric Rainbow Sour Ale with Rapsberry. <laughs> raspberry it's a little raspy in here uh peach and lemon um sounds good it's by wild mind ale it's a really cool can it is very cool mm -hmm. 
Very electric rainbow. <laughs> very. I won't be taking a picture of this one. Very <laughs> rainbow road. Because I crushed the shit out of it. Uh, yeah, from, that's, from, that's solid. Yeah. From Humble Forager Brewery in uh, Wanakee, Wisconsin. It's beautiful it's this probably, time of year. Is it Wanakee or Wanakee? Sure. All right. Um, it's coastal. It's called Coastal Sunshine. It's the fruited smoothie sour. Passion fruit, orange, and guava. And it was fucking delicious. Awesome. Yeah, really good. I'm also having from uh, Three Floyds their Barbarian Hazy IPA. It's, it's when did you have that? Right now. Oh. I'm drinking it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I also, um, your neighbor, I pulled up in Matt's <laughs> driveway and he came out. He's like, hey, wait a second. And came and literally handed me a, uh, a glass full of whiskey. Brad, what was this again? Uh, it was... Uh, Smoke wagon, yeah, uncut, un, uh, very un- rare, yeah. uncut and unfiltered, yeah, mm, just like I like it. <laughs> it's like a hundred thirty dollar bottle, and and neighbor just runs out. Hey, it, have it a drink. is incredible. Yeah. Like he Gives actually waited, mm-hmm. waited for Matt and I to be available for it, to open it. Yeah, and, he's done and that. He, that's him. what he does with whiskey. He he's just the greatest. Yeah, he is. Yeah, pretty much the nicest dude ever. Mm-hmm. And we gave him COVID. So still can't smell anything. But we should tell him Brandon's coming over next week and <laughs> have him slash Brandon's time. Oh, he, no, he knows. <laughs> oh, he already knows. He knows. He's yeah. Prepping. Yeah. <laughs> slash his time. <laughs> hey guys, do you know what, um, Michael, <laughs> what, what, Michael, what, what are you about are to you say? Doing? Do you know what kind of uh, STDs peeps get? Nope. Nope. Chirpies. <laughs> nope. T- made, <laughs> made that up today. You made that up. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Pretty proud of that. You're gonna want to. You're gonna want to workshop that one down at the chuckle hunt, buddy, <laughs> okay. before you uh, okay. put that one in your hour. <laughs> It's it's C H E R P E S Chirpies. I think we're done with what are you drinking, well, are we? I haven't even talked about what I'm having. No. Uh, I'm having a tangerine wheat from Lost Coast Brewery in Eureka, California. Eureka! And then uh the Cherry picker oh, so from Taxman. Yep. Belgian style double ale with cherries. Man, Ridiculously good. good. Michigan cherries. Well, I don't think that matters, but sure. Uh, there, I, I will say there is a distinct Michigan um, flavor and uh, um, texture. It's like cherry chapstick. What? 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 Is that a sentence? What the hell was that? You ever had Michigan cherry? I feel like both of his brain had opposite thoughts, and they sort of just crammed them together at the end. It's a it's a cherry chapstick flavor cherry. I'm kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, what? That's another one to workshop at the, at the Chuckle Hut. It all makes sense tomorrow. I swear. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. <laughs> uh. What? That's it. That's what we're drinking. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, do you want me to get out of this segment? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Hey, what's the deal? <laughs> I don't know. Airline <laughs> food. What's the deal with hate crimes and domestic terrorism? Uh, 
Yeah, Call it uh, what it a, is. There's a whiteness problem. That's yeah. that's what it is. Pandemic's over. Time to start killing each other again. God. A white gun problem. Uh, we had a colleague die in the Colorado shooting. Yeah. Espresso technician leaving he, a job. Literally doing the same job I, I do with... Yeah. with yep. Uh, uh, this for the same company. Yep, we, we lost one with. of our own because some dipshit had easy access to mm-hmm. weapons of war. Mm-hmm. Thank God bless America. Mm-hmm. Ten days before that shooting, a federal judge overturned yeah, the ban on assault weapons. Fuck that. Yep. yep. <sighs> Call it is what it is. Stop killing people. Well, I love how it's, like, it's white terrorism. And, and you know what? Just it, yes. What kills me is. The the constant like, I, I lost my train of thought. I don't know, but I, I just the whole thing pisses me off. It's like, a constant denial. Oh, the of fact reality. it's always it's always when a when a Democrat's in office that you start hearing about they're coming for our guns. No, they're fucking not. No, they don't care. No, they would overturn the Second Amendment. Literally impossible. Take a fucking government class yeah. for shit's sake. Three literally quarters, impossible two, to overturn two thirds of Congress, amendment. a president. And three fourths of the states have to ratify two thirds of the states, or so. It's it's never going to happen. Never going to never going to happen. And nobody's trying. So, fucking shut up. I'm so fucking tired of hearing about the word freedom in this country. I'm so tired of it. It means fucking nothing. No, I'll tell you what it means. What it means in this country is. I can do what I want like an adolescent. Exactly. It's pure adolescence. Mm-hmm. I can do what I want. Why? Because I fucking can. Because yep. I fucking want to. It's just like, God, Like if your freedom impinges on someone else's freedom, it's that's not freedom. Not freedom. That's not that's, how it fucking works. It's a reciprocal thing. That's tyranny. God. Yeah. Fucking. Ugh. I mean, just the, the complete lack of no emotional one's, No maturity. one's even trying to stop anybody from buying guns. Like... They just want like background checks and stop. I mean, and waiting let's periods. get rid of the the stupid gun that this always happens. And the assault yeah. weapon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there needs to be an assault weapons ban. I mean, yeah. or you own one, it has to be locked up at a goddamn firing range, or and you have to have a permit where you have a test. Yes. Every so <sighs> make often, make it like a driver's license. Yes, exactly. Make it like a fucking driver's license, except with a mental. And it's like place. if you ever have a felony, you should never be able to own one. Nope. Ever. Nope. I don't care what it was. I don't care. You're stupid and young. I don't care. Like you know that what, is... Brad? You should run for office. Have you thought about that? Yeah, right. Well, me being on this would be all the ammo anyone would need to defeat me. So, yes, I've sort of thought about that. At I, times when you and... said defeat, I thought somebody taking your feet off. I don't know why. Brent, um, let me defeat. I think you. we're I think we're out of the segment, aren't we? Yep. Go ahead, buddy. We're, we're done. Yep. Think we're. Done. I think that'll do it. <laughs> So, yeah, it's once again, it's Republicans we're mad at <laughs> pretty much every week. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. All right. Um, let's should we. Oh, uh, let's do the music segment. All right. Music segment. Let's do it. There's nothing more than three white guys like more than two philosophize about why they're right about the things they like. From peach to terror to ambient noise, here's raps and riffs that three white boys think you should know. That's <laughs> such a good song, man. Yeah, it, it is. So it just cracks me up. Enjoy the show. Music time no. in the city. Nope. 
What do we got? From uh, <clears throat> from the uh, the band Real Estate, one of my favorite bands. Oh, I, I didn't know they had a new one. It's huh? an EP. <clears throat> this is I, EPs. I, I don't know. Sometimes they're I, whatever. Um, Realtor. The band is called Real Estate. Uh, I highly recommend all of their albums, well, especially I mean, their, Real Estate. Their their last two. God. <laughs> um, the album is Half a Human. It's the uh, story about Vern Troyer. Wow. Well, <laughs> ah, backup back noise shot <laughs> JPEG. Wow. Um, uh, may, may his memory be eternal. <laughs> uh, Vern Troyer is dead to me. <clears throat> Laurel. Laurel. Anyway, uh, this is the uh, second song on the album. This is the title track. You're like uh, Kurt Vile, Tame and Paula, like kind of stuff yeah. in that vein. Yeah. Long intro. Sorry. Wonder what elevator this is playing in. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an elevator. A little bit. Yeah. Up to 13th floor. like sunny day happy music sort of yeah they like, sound like they're from california yeah it's kind of got that yeah, yeah it has that surf music a little bit vibe not, yeah not surf i don't know yeah. what i mean i know what you mean like i said if you like kurt vile tame yeah. Paula, it's very uh, local natives like that that's pretty similar what it yep. is anyway just real easy nice listening album nice uh i've got michael's favorite nick cave Yes. Oh, Nikki Caves. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis is long time. Didn't I play a song off this already? No. <clears throat> I don't think so. <clears throat> I hope he did. I hope, sure. I, hope, I hope he did. I and do you're going to play the exact per- same 90% song. I'm sure I did. I don't think so. Uh, no, because Michael would have, have said he hated it. You've not heard about this before. This is this is new. This is this is the new hotness. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which song I want to play off of it. I guess I'll play Hand of God, which is the first no, song. White Elephant. <clears throat> okay, I guess I'll play White Elephant. <laughs> um, so Nick Cave and Warren Ellis got together over the pandemic and were like, Warren Ellis has played with him mm-hmm. for a long time in the Bad Seeds. Anyway, you, you read the Red Hand Files, didn't you? No, I, well, week. I did, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Uh, he knew that before then, Matt. I did, actually. But... Anyway, they got together and it was just like, well, let's just record some stuff. And it's like came out as a fucking album. Yeah. <laughs> it took him like two Warren days. sent it to him. He's like, you need to listen. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so this is they the song. They fucked around and made an album. Yeah. Uh, it's called Carnage. The song is called White Elephant. Oh, I might have muted you. Hold on. Uh, nope. You're, you're good. You're, yeah. Yep, you're muted. Yeah. This is my favorite song on the album, man. Pretty tell somebody's gonna shoot him in the fucking face. Yeah. yeah. Nothing long in true. That's fine. This is a real banger. Right <laughs> Hunter sits on his porch. How do they record these steamboats? There's elephant gun in his tears. Test to Neil 
says on the neck of a statue. The statue says I can't breathe. The protester says so you know how it feels and he kicks it into the sea. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> uh just I I as as you know, I can be want to think about dark things. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot. I believe we discussed that last week. Yeah, you're the, you're, the, you're, you're the <clears throat> Christopher Nolan Batman of this podcast. <laughs> so you are. You're the, the, you're the, the dark. Knight. He's the gritty reboot. The dark Polly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think Nick Cave sings about <clears throat> the darker part of humanity better than anybody. I think. So anyway, uh, the album's Carnage. It's really good. Michael, what do you got? Um. Uh, so, yeah. Um. <laughs> welcome, welcome that, to the podcast. <laughs> this is the one that's called uh, "Don't." St- the band is called "Don't Stop or, or We'll Die." It's, uh, it's the guy from Love, TV show on Netflix. It's all the all their age. Uh, anyway, this song's called "That's That's Right." I'm five. That is utterly ridiculous. I just don't understand where you find this okay, stuff. So this guy, uh, he was on, <laughs> on the show with uh, Jillian Murphy, or Jillian, the the, the, the one from um, the community. Jillian, Gillian, Jacobs, somebody screaming at me in their car right now. Her. Anyway, so he, on the show, he had a fake band that would write theme songs to uh, movies and television shows that don't have theme songs. So they were Jesse and the Rippers? <laughs> no. I mean, You had to bring up Family Matters? There goes the next 10 it's minutes. It's not Family Matters. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's Full you House. Full House. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry. That was Urkel. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so they have this this fake band that uh, cover, like creates theme songs for shows. And uh, it's pretty funny. It's stuff shit like this. I, I kind of want to show you one. Can I do that? No, just no, 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 Michael. No. He, he goes on a long rant about Peter Peter Gallagher. That's great. <laughs> Only like fifty percent of is the it people. All, is it all eyebrow related? Yeah, it was. It was uh, <laughs> while you were sleeping, and he said it's really weird that Peter Gallagher's in Gallagher's in this movie, and he plays a character named Peter. <laughs> Pretty weird. Uh, is that is that all you got, buddy? <laughs> No, I got one more. This oh, is uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, Rob Bell, his his yeah. new yeah, um, pretty fun. I'm really disappointed. Neither one of you guys. Chose I th- I was pretty close actually. Uh, humans yeah. on the floor. Uh, it's this is Rob Bell and uh, uh, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
it's it's three three females really go interesting yeah. and i it's the uh, b52s man it is yeah. <clears throat> all right so this is uh, i used to be sober all the time That's Rob Bell. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he just sounds like he's having fun. Yes, yeah, 100%. He's a 100% play right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun album. It really is. I literally is. thought about him, like the faces he was making yes, while he was singing it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Clash influence with his voice is yeah. unmistakable. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> you can tell he fun. was in a punk band. Yes, yeah, it's fun. It's really really fun. So yep. go check it, it out. Yeah. The Humans on the Floor, uh, the first one, is what it's called. Yep. Um, yeah. So this is this is the conclusion, the dramatic conclusion. Till next week, <laughs> on as the music turns. <laughs> Meditating with Gary Busey. Fart. Feeling erectile transmission. Wow. Is that new? Did he just send that? It's on a list of of the 50 best Buseyisms. Oh my gosh. Oh, we've got a new list now? Yeah. Yep. New hot content. Oh my um, god! <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Fart. <laughs> Feeling erectile transmission. I mean, it's not incorrect. No. <laughs> Boy, there's that's what this podcast is: erectile transmission. <laughs> I feel like I feel, like there's, some, I feel like there's some layers to that, like to that, to that fart thing. <laughs> yeah, layers. To well, the I mean, I guess. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to. I'm not sure you want to delve that too that deeply into your uh, music. You waking the ball rock when you do. <laughs> oh man, these kill me every time. This is called Madeline. Take it away, Polly. She's lost in space. (laughs) She's not Jodie Foster. She's not right here. She can't find the time to get her head clear. (laughs) And she's a supernova about to explode. Holding it all in like Gary Busey's fart. <laughs> and she can't let it go. Oh, Madeline, I miss you so. Remember when you used to glow? Oh, 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 oh. It's about the time when your family visited Chernobyl. Uh, I'm on a mission to find her in the stars. She used to be so bright. 
but now she seems so far. She's a supernova about to explode. She's holding it all in and she can't let it go. Oh, wait, Madeline. Wait. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> Get back and read that one again. She's a supernova about to explode. She's holding it all in and she can't let it go. <laughs> Beyond space and time, where have you been? Behind those eyes, what are you thinking? It's Madeline. Yeah. Just the most god awful sound. Oh man! All right, let's uh, let's see if I can find a file. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> I wrote on on the notes. I, I, on what the, was that? On, on, on the notes, I wrote sorry, and I'm like, why did I write sorry? And then there it is. It's right there. So let's play that back. You're listening to the second chord. Sorry. That, that twelve string bitches. <laughs> He's riding up the neck. <laughs> She's lost in space. She's not writing. She can't find the time to get her head clear. She's a supernova about to explode. She is holding it all in. Can't let it go. <laughs> See, because I've seen him play guitar, yeah. I can I can picture this in my mind. Remember when you used to glow? You're so far away. To find her it's called mission stars. dating. <laughs> she used to be so bright, but now she seems so far. She's a supernova. I was really hard to play. She is holding it all in. Can't let it go. Oh, Madeline, I miss you so. This is the bridge that sounds just like the bridge. <laughs> you forgot about the minor chord there, buddy. This is power chords on a 12 string. <laughs> With your baby hands. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it gets more interesting. Let me see. <laughs> oh, here's the ending. <laughs> Great fade. <laughs> yeah. Leave it on that fourth. Yep. All right. Well. Boy. <laughs> Somehow I still have more songs. That was so. a that was an incri- that was a solid entry into the uh, into the catalog. Yeah. It's, the, it's the bass singer pantheon, if you will. I have a lot of songs about hands. <laughs> I, cel- <laughs> I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. A lot of songs about hands. Um. Anyway, what are we doing? Where's how, where's exit hatch in this? Uh. I think, uh, do we have anything else before uh, we get into the newsfeed? All right, no, newsfeed, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Stephanie Rice, back on the scene. Hey. Emo correspondent. Emo correspondent, <clears throat> Stephanie Rice. Um, and I, I wrote a note in this. Okay, there it is. Okay. Um, so Georgia man receives final paycheck of $915 in oil-covered pennies as a, with a fuck you note. I saw this. Wow. It's like, yeah. Nine, 91,515 coins. About uh, 504 pounds. So, so he quit. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get this. So he quit. Mm-hmm. And apparently like, the boss yeah. wasn't happy about that. <clears throat> so yeah. to be an asshole. He, they were delivered to the worker after he was forced to contact the government to get his last pay stub. Oh, so then they were getting hounded by the government about yeah. it. And so they... Uh, yeah, it's overdue paycheck from a local automotive shop. Um, <laughs> one cent soaked soaked in greasy oil and dumped in his driveway. Oh, she so had to pick them all up. Basically, okay. This is a dick move. It's a oh, that's a t- it's a, it's a dick move to pay somebody like that when you don't have to. Like, yeah. um, <clears throat> so this is. From his, his girlfriend was apparently talking to people on Instagram, I think. Um, she said, first things first, when my boyfriend quit, he gave a written resignation letter complete uh, with a two weeks notice. Um, after Miles Walker of the AOK Walker Auto Works uh, continued to be an asshole, uh, he, the asshole he is, and make a normal work day hell, uh, making unnecessary comments about my boyfriend's daughter and just being an all-around dick. Uh, that two weeks turned into five days. Um, once the word lawyer was introduced, uh, this is what uh, what he did. It's just in, and there's a picture of all the the pennies. Um, God, that's a dick move for a thousand <clears throat> different reasons. Not only yeah. does he have to clean all those up and put them in some kind of like container containers. To get them to the bank so we can cash them. Somebody at the bank has to do all that fucking work. Yep. That's a dick move, man. Fuck that guy. So the the boss said, uh, I don't know if I did that or not. Um, what? <laughs> says, I don't know if I did that or not. Walker said in a brief what, interview what? with <laughs> CBS 46 News. Where news <laughs> comes first. Coming at you. No culpability there. Um, when he was questioned about the pennies, he said, I don't really remember. It doesn't matter. He got paid, and that's all that matters. He's a fucking weenie for even bringing it up. Yeah, he did on purpose. A yeah. fucking weenie for even bringing it up. <laughs> Clearly, this guy has the mental maturity of a cabbage. I yeah. mean, like, I just don't understand this kind of shit. I, I don't either, man. Like, I just have this weird, like, I, I could have fantasies in my head of revenge, like... You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, like, sure. I think everybody has that. That and, sort of. And we're, we are just want to clarify: we're not talking about revenge porn. We're just uh, talking about. Nope, revenge. sure no, wasn't. Nobody well, was even said thinking fan- that. Fantasies and revenge. I mean, nope. No, nobody, nobody was, was even thinking about, that. wasn't so. even wasn't even on my radar, buddy. But it's a genre. You want to? Do you want to look at his church, his history, or do you want me to? <laughs> no, I definitely don't. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it on the podcast. Good God. 
No, I do not. Let's hope he I uses a private condone. browser. No, I, I do not condone revenge porn. That's yeah, the thanks. Worst. No, we definitely. I, I, well, don't. that's what I, that's my whole messaging right now is <laughs> that to say his FBI agent is that like, God, God damn, the, dude. Um, the Inglorious Pastors podcast. <laughs> Michael, yes, we don't need an official statement. <laughs> no, I, we don't. I think, pretty sure they, at this point. I'll put one out on Twitter later. They know I'd that at least. Well, they know at least two thirds of us are <laughs> against what? that. Matt, come on. <laughs> Right. You can do better than that. Uh-huh. Uh, God, how do we get out of that? I don't know. Um, what else you got? Wait, wait, you... No, she was doing oh, Stephanie, Stephanie Rice. Yeah, yeah, thanks, right. Stephanie Rice. <clears throat> yes. Mike got way too close that to was, me. That was really something. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> uh, From the mirror.co.uk. Highly reliable. Where news is British. I'm looking at that bloke in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I just just thirty minutes in his brain. I just want to be in there for thirty minutes. I think that's all anybody could ever handle. See, and that, like all that's in my head is pass the duchy by the left hand side. Pass the duchy by the left hand. Boy. Boy, that's a deep cut, man. <laughs> Who sang that? Oh God, it was a, they were British. I don't remember the. Oh fuck! I gotta look like, it up. Who now. was it? That was like the only hit they ever had. Hit might be a stretch. I've never heard of it. Past the Music- Duchy? Musical no. youth. Yeah, he's never heard. You've before. never heard Past the Duchy? You ever heard uh, Timey Kangaroo Downsport? Nope. <laughs> you song. win. You win. Timey Kangaroo nope, Downsport. Timey Kangaroo Down. Take me Wallaby back. Jack, take me Wallaby back. All together now. It's a good song. All right. I would play it for you, but Facebook would get mad. Right. Yeah, we probably, you probably can't play Pass the Duchy. No. Michael, we, how have you never heard that song, man? Pa- sing it to me. I just did. Sing it to me like one of your... It's like a... Pass the Duchy on the left-hand <laughs> side. Pass the Duchy on the left-hand side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that song, no. I bet you do. All right, I'm playing it. <laughs> All right, we got to talk if we're if gonna play. Matt, it. What do you play it? Do you have it? No, I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I got the I got the YouTube. Hold on, it's probably gonna play an ad. We got to talk but... some. Yeah, that's fine. We oh, we will. Don't worry. <laughs> There's no way that you don't know this song. But what? Oh my god! Is I don't want to It's a one of those goddamn half bikes. <laughs> Why, why are we talking? Mine showed up today. It's an elliptical bike. Why are Here we, we talking go. about? Uh, Here we go. I have a, a antidote for commercials. Okay. <laughs> you have heard this song. I don't. This is not sound. No. You got to go to the. No. You don't know. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. They were. I have never heard You've this song. Heard this song. Here we go. <laughs> no, I don't know this song. No I've never heard it. Alright, you need to quit playing. Okay. It's like in the it's like it's like in movies and stuff, too. What movie? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what else it is. Wedding singer. Isn't it no, the wedding, it's not a wedding singer? No, I, I think it is. I know the wedding singer soundtrack. I just listened to it and watched it recently. <laughs> I would recognize that shitty song if it were in No, I'm almost one hundred percent sure past the Duchy is in one of the scenes of that. Pretty sure it's not. Nope. I uh, do we want to put a bet on this? Go for it. We gotta do a wager. <laughs> ten bucks. Okay. What? No, not ten bucks. I, I'm not that rich. <laughs> ten bucks a pod money. 
Can yeah. I do this story? Deal. Deal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can I get 10 bucks too just no. for being here? Oh, that's just like you. It is. Yeah. Yep, it is. Matt jumping on that fucking surfboard. Hey. <laughs> Did somebody say free All book? Right. All right, somebody, give you the thing. What's I think that? you bought bread a book what four I, years ago. I think you is, owe me. Is Pat's the Duchy in Wedding Singer? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's not. It's not in the wedding singer. Anyway, I was going to tell you an anecdote about my my son. So my my son was talking to me about liberty the other day. He was explain. <laughs> actually, he was explaining it to my pass the duchy from the wedding singer. Hey, no, you, you owe me ten dollars. I told you it's in. I just saw the movie. It's on the wedding singer soundtrack. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. I have no recollection recollection of that. <laughs> It I mean, is. So you'll be getting a, you owe me ten dollars. No, the podcast owes you ten dollars. <laughs> can I get it on that? Damn, no, you're I not getting can it. I get it? On? That <laughs> is for for people. We're really not kidding. That that is the most <laughs> mad thing in history. Hey, what about the, the wedding singer soundtrack? Did the podcast by Brad a book eighteen years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I remember that. that. I think you owe me. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> oh, it's been at least three weeks. What? The, we haven't bought anything in three weeks. <laughs> Brad bought beer. That was it. Brad, <laughs> Brad came over for dinner. Can the podcast buy the beer? <laughs> yep. Motherfucker, you do the same thing. No, I don't. You and I have discussions all the time. I, I do, when was the last time I billed the podcast for anything? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only time I ever bill them is when you're, you're we're together. Your brothers. There must be. No, not just. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, simple quarrel. Hey, uh, Brad and I are having <laughs> Easter. Can, can we get some chocolate eggs? <laughs> can the podcast pay for the Cadbury eggs? <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, wedding singer soundtrack video killed the radio star. Every little thing she does. Uh, Love my way. White wedding. Blue Monday. Somebody kill remember, me. I don't remember that song. It hasn't been literally before. China girl past the Dutchie rappers delight. That is a that's a good soundtrack. Yeah, it is. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty. Cool. Let's just skip that song. Do for the last really 30 years. Um, <laughs> anyway, so my son, uh, he was talking to uh, my daughter about liberty and and uh, explained to her what it meant. And he was like, yeah, it means you don't pay for more than what you need. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? You, yeah, you don't pay for more than what you need. I said... How do you know that? He said, liberty, liberty, liberty. liberty, liberty. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's magnificent. <laughs> yeah. That, that is the quintessential is amazing. diggery story. Yep. That's so good. So. That's some legendary <laughs> shit right there, yep. man, is what that is. I'm glad that's preserved forever on yeah. the uh, on on track here. Yeah. All right. Well, who's got a new story? I got one. All right. Woman takes holiday photo. Unaware, she's holding one of the world's most most dangerous animals. <laughs> a tourist had a lucky escape after holding a mysterious sea creature for a photo, only to discover it was one of the world's most dangerous animals. Was it a trouser snake? <laughs> <laughs> it's highly venomous. It's, it's related to the spitting cobra. Damn it! If I hadn't drank anything, I had that joke already. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, it's a ripper! It's a ripper! <laughs> Oh, it's getting angry. Look at its hood. Do you think they killed the stingray that killed Steve? <laughs> well, I hope so. That motherfucker. 
Just Killed fucking a, elbow dropped it from God. 10 feet up. You think they just pulled him out of the water and just let him suffocate, suffocate on air? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> TikTok user Kaylin Marie 21 because apparently that's a thing we're doing now, shared a video of her holding a small octopus. No bigger than the palm of her hand with a brown body and dark circles as it crawled around and others splashed it with water during a trip to Bali. But after posing with photos with the creature, she looked it up online to find it was a blue-ringed octopus. Recognized as one of the most deadliest animals in the ocean, packing enough venom to kill 26 humans. Oh, this thing is literally shit. smaller, like half the size of your palm of your hand. The palm of your hand. Even more frightening is reported that people may, comp- may be completely unaware the octopus has bitten them until it's too late. Oh. So here's, here's a picture of it. I mean, it's really, it's a, beautiful animal do it all for the gram yeah yeah so yeah boy she about did do we have instances of influencers dying for being stupid yes yes do we they've fallen off cliffs and shit okay uh sharing the information she found online it reads the blue ring octopus despite its small size carries enough venom to kill 26 adult humans within minutes dude kill the guy dude kill the guy once their bites are tiny and often painless with many victims not realizing they have been envenomated until uh Respiratory dis- dis- depression and paralysis begins. Oh. No blue ring octopus anti-venom is available. So if you get bitten, you're, you're done. Other symptoms include nausea, vision loss, loss of senses, and loss of motor skills. Huh. Ultimately, it will cause muscle paralysis, including the muscles needed for humans to breathe. So you hmm. suffocate to death. Oh. Jesus, that's a vicious little bastard, man. Yeah, I mean, so the, uh, the lady says, uh, going really to, uh, she to said, called, called my dad crying three hours later. Yeah, I, I mean, almost died. Like you said, you can get bitten, not even know. Like, it's not it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, you would have no idea. Wow. Boy, that's, yeah. But that's a, <laughs> I don't know how long that takes, but if you didn't know you got bit, like, I wonder how long it starts to, like, before it starts taking effect. Before well, it you... says minutes. Wow. It can kill you in minutes. So not long, I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. Not long, I'm guessing. About your, your snake trap. You'll notice I passed up the envenomating. <laughs> envenomating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your, uh... <laughs> Stop. God, you're just babbling. You're so creepy. You're tra- from... <laughs> trouser snake. God, you are so creepy sometimes. <laughs> from... from la- <laughs> From ladbible.com. It's like to lean into it. Which is probably a real website. Oprah says lean in. I don't think that's what she means by that, Michael. Pretty sure. Man does bungee jump with cords attached to to ass piercings. Oh! (laughs) Oh, my God. There are four rings attached to the meat of his ass. It's a daredevil in fucking Russia. I mean, that makes sense. Has pulled so off a bizarre a, stunt. He's a daredevil. He's just a normal Russian person. Yeah. After he did a bungee jump with a cord attached to piercings on his butt. Uh, the half-naked adrenaline junkie was filmed in St. Petersburg taking the idea of a bungee jump to the next level because hurling yourself off a bridge with a rubber band attached to you isn't enough. Uh, attached to the cord to his piercings and lobbing himself off a bridge. Oh. As you can imagine, as he plummets, there's a fair bit of screaming coming from the poor bloke. I just don't. I, I mean, like you know hooks. how wrong that could have gone. Mm-hmm. Like he jumped from eighty uh, eighty nine feet. I, <laughs> yeah, uh, 
this article says this isn't actually the weirdest bungee jump stunt we've seen in recent times. That title almost certainly belongs to a theme park in China that bungee jumped a live pig. Oh, in we had that. We talked about that. Did we do that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had that story. Man, he might have. Boy, that's been a minute though. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah, he jumped with just hooks uh, hooks in his ass. It's literally just four <laughs> two hooks it. on each cheek. And he's wearing like uh like jean thong. <laughs> like it's it's just jeans with the ass cut out, basically. It. I mean it's assless chaps. Right. Yeah. Um it's called a jean keeny. Okay. <laughs> I believe. Um anyway, yeah. I mean that this shows him letting go, and I mean, there's a video. I'm not watching this. I'm not. I don't. I don't either. I don't get it, man. No. Like, I get the adrenaline thing, but like, at some point, it's there's like a lot of other ways to do adrenaline. I think. I feel like there is. Like, jam yourself in the heart with an epipen or something. <laughs> something. Because <laughs> yeah. isn't that like basically pure adrenaline? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jump, it, yeah. It's Pulp Fiction. That's what he had to stab. What's her face? I watched Kill Bill last week. Can I confess something to you? What? I've never seen Pulp Fiction. I've never seen all the way through. I've seen part. I've never seen any of it. You've never seen any of it? No. The the scene in the apartment's pretty fucking great. I mean, I've seen like that's like the best scene in the whole movie. I've never that in the ending scene. Yeah, it's it's been a lot. I've seen Reservoir Dogs. That was good. I used to own Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Brad, what do you got? Uh, Oh man, Reservoir Dogs when he cuts that dude's ear off. Uh, <laughs> how do we feel about Girl Scout cookies? We you have any of those in here? I we don't. we had some people send us. I some might have some Thin Mints in the fridge, one time in the freezer. Ago. We did. Yeah, we had people from yeah different uh, different areas because different areas have different kinds of cookies. Wow, well, do We've been doing again. this podcast for a long time. Do that again, yeah, people. That. Are you getting ready to share a story about the different regional? No, okay. I wasn't. But we definitely have talked about that. Uh, Girl Scout, a California Girl Scout sells record 32,484 boxes of cookies in one season. Wow. She hit up like a Floyd concert. I, yeah, we, oh, I think we didn't. We do a story from a couple years ago. Yes. They Somebody said outside, outside yes. a dispensary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> did. Perfect. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, an eight-year-old girl, California girl, Girl Scout, set a record for the organization by selling thirty-two thousand four hundred eighty-four boxes of Girl Scout cookies in a single season. Lily Bumpus, son of a bitch, Bumpus, uh, <laughs> Lily Boy, Bumpus. You don't get a you don't get an opportunity to have a lot of Bumpus references from a Christmas story. Bumpus and dirt. Uh, well, th- now we're really going to feel like shit. Um, <laughs> Lily Bumpus, who we're making fun of her name, a brownie who overcame a form of cancer known as Ewing sarcoma when she was a toddler. Oh, shit. Sold cookies from a booth set up outside her San Bernardino, San, San Bernardino home. Uh, wasn't that San Bernardino. I don't know. Probably. Sounds like Johnny Cash wrote it. Wait, wasn't he? He had a San Bernardino reference, didn't he? I don't know. It's Tom Waits. I don't know. Um, Time guy. Both those guys sing, sing, sing about a lot of cities. Yeah. Um, I've been everywhere, man. Anyway, uh, she, and she collected orders online, many of which were, many of which were donation orders for patients at various children's hospitals in the area. Oh, so she turned it into like a. Oh, that's genius! Yeah, like a charity basically tom's with girl scout girl scout's cookies now that's an idea what buy two boxes we'll give you one and send a box to it's like tom's 
Yeah, except for cookies. Right. Yeah. You should send some to us. Yeah. Like, seriously. I mean, we S- could definitely do some more. Slide my DMs and I'll, I'll hook you up with my address. I don't think I was a... Have we, have, we've talked about that. I we swear We have to, had people mail I, us Girl Scout cookies. We have before. And we did it on Fat Pastors. You were yeah. definitely here. They they weren't... I mean, they weren't like... It was like <laughs> multiple weeks we had people to, and they finally did. No. Send, send girls. You can do that Christmas shit. You could, this year if you too. could get them here by. The problem is, if you could get them here by about nine thirty tonight, <laughs> that'd be great. We don't record. Or Christmas maybe anymore. a bag of Cheetos or uh, really got, anything at this point. You've got thirteen minutes. Um, All right, what are we doing? Do we have any? Uh, anyway, so a lot of people approached us saying we must have gotten big businesses or sponsors to buy from us or big donations. The mother, the girl's mother, Trish Bauer. Mm. Good day. Told the (laughs) Eddie's sister. um, (laughs) Told the San Jose Mercury News. That took about a second and a half to land. Uh, The biggest order placed was a hundred boxes. Wow, so she sold a shitload of people. Lily reached thirty-two thousand boxes out of everyone seeing value in buying one box, two boxes, four boxes, and everybody working together to try to be a small piece of a really big puzzle. That sounds. I mean, that has to be like the record, right? Yeah, well, it is. That's what well, the whole thing by is. By far. I mean, like, I can't imagine uh, what the set was. It doesn't say. Hey, hey, Brad, could you read that first sentence again? I think Matt missed it. What? No. I, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, uh, the previous record was 26,086. Which is, Jeez. Jesus Which Christ. is a ton. Still, she still murdered it. Yeah, what is 32,000. She Michael Phelps that shit. 32,484. Wow. Yeah. That's that's fun. That's a lot. Yeah, well, like good on that. good on her. Yeah, good awesome. on her. Good on the people that bought them, man. Yep. That's that's good stuff. We need good news. Yeah, somebody buy some from her for us. <laughs> yeah, in her name. Slide in my DMs. Give me my address. It's, um. Okay. Uh, product update. Minutes. Product update. What's in eleven minutes? <laughs> They've got eleven minutes to get me some cookies. Get those fucking oh, cookies. Yeah. Uh, there um, might be some thin mints in the freezer. That's my least favorite. Pepsi is. Coming out with a Peeps Marshmallow Cola for spring. Somebody's supposed please, to send this. Please shit, tell me it's called Peepsy. Uh, um, Boy, that's really no, good. I think it's just called Pepsi X Peeps. Really? Shitty. Um, Who fucking came up with that? <laughs> they fired that guy, right? Came with my Peeps. No. Peepsonality. Uh, nah, Peepsy. Pressure. Peepsy's the winner. Like I can't imagine why. What do they call the the the? Graffiti artist that uh, Banksy only does peeps, peepsy. No, Panksy. Panksy. Mm. Panksy. What do you know? What shape? What Did shape? we have these? Was it Wanksy? Did we have a story about a guy that yeah. called himself? Or was it was it Wanksy? Yeah, that sounds right, that's right. that's come up at some point. I'm pretty sure it's probably a. Or he hashtag. just he just draws dicks everywhere. I think. Yes, like around around yeah. London or something. Well, there was one guy that did him around potholes. Yeah. Well, there was that. Oh yeah, is that what they called Wanksy. Yeah, it might be Wanksy. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been. That's man, that's been forever ago. It's been a while. Uh, um, did you guys know that frozen pizza sales are red hot and expected to outlast the the pandemic? It's good. There's some really frozen good frozen pizzas, pizzas out the there. The is fantastic. It's, it's, it just depends on the DiGiorno. If it's stuffed crust, it's okay. But if it's not, it's a little too crunchy. Can I just say, I, I I cannot do stuffed crust. I don't like it. Mm, I'm not a stuffed crust guy. I don't like it. Well, I just, you're I, not I, a there's... cheese guy, though. Mozzarella. Okay. It's, it's a fucking cheese stick, I mean, essentially. Yeah, I, there's something weird about the text. I can't do it. Or there's like a mm. smell to it. I, I don't know. Yeah, let's get some stuffed crust in here. <laughs> 
Anyway, how do you um, make that creepy? You can make it. Jesus Christ, man! Stop like, it! Stop it, Michael! God, it just, God, yeah, it's when you do that. That voice, you can say anything, and it's the creepiest fucking thing anybody's ever said. I'm gonna read a passage of Diana Butler Bass's book. I, no, no, <laughs> goddamn, man! She is a wonderful human. Do not do that. God, Michael, Michael, what? No, Michael, put the read, book down. What if, what if I read the Bible? Put the book down. <laughs> Boy, remember when we read the Holy Bibizzle a couple weeks? Yeah, was, we did it one week, I think. We did it more than one week. No, we, I think it was, it was one or two. No, no. I, th- I know it was on it was the 69th episode. I remember that. Yeah, uh, here we go. That didn't last long. Where did that thing end up? We we threw it away. Or did we, we gave it away at the like We gave it away. We gave it away. Oh, my God, we did. Right, I can't here we believe go. we did that. Who do you say I am? Matthew. Michael. 1650. <laughs> Bible. Michael, what other stories do you have? Um, anyway, frozen pizza. I love frozen pizza. I, they're fine. They're fine. I tell you what, yeah, even, even the fucking snob. square, the rectangle to, totinos. Oh man, yeah. those things are fucking like delicious. No, they weren't rectangles. They were circles. No, they I literally have them. Out but they're rectangles now. Oh, they are. Yeah, I haven't had. One it's in like years. long rectangles. Dude, I ate those like crazy when we were poor. Yeah, they were like. <laughs> They were like a dollar. They or made them uh, a rectangle. They're the same like acreage, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's I, at I least think, a half a hectare. Yeah, of pizza. They're, the, they're the same like pizza amount of pizza, but they use less uh, packaging. That's how they. They're del- they're fucking delicious, man. Yeah. So, um, in science news, um, humans' penises are shrinking because of pollution. <laughs> I saw this. Um, yeah, that's the excuse I'm going to use. Yeah. No. Because of pollution, if you would just learn how to fucking recycle, finally be able to make you orgasm. Big dick recycling energy. <clears throat> what'd you say? <laughs> You'll listen back tomorrow. No, I did. What'd you say? No, nope. I did. I didn't even hear it. Just say it. Go ahead. Nope. No, nope, go ahead. No, you, you can't, can't relive the magic. Nope. It's a one-time magic. It'll, it'll, it, you'll text it tomorrow. I need. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, penises are shrinking and genitals are becoming malformed because of pollution. Um, <laughs> guys, what's the deal with Apple not giving away chargers for their fucking phones anymore? Because Apple is just a soulless corporation. <laughs> but I can't get away from them, which is why I own everything. They- yeah, I know. Brazil, Brazil uh, was uh, fined Apple $2 million, like that really <laughs> Tim Cook just wrote a check at McDonald's for that. Tim Cook signs it with his dick. Did we ever talk about um, uh, Nacho Vidal, the uh, Spanish porn star? (coughs) Nacho Vidal. (coughs) No, Matt, you all right over there, buddy? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen his work. (laughs) Wait, Uh, what? I've not seen his work. But... uh, (laughs) He's a porn star, Spanish porn star. <laughs> Nacho Vidal. Nacho Vidal. <laughs> Boy. His real name is Ignacia Jorda Gonzalez. Yeah, um, Nacho Vidal is a lot better. <laughs> Nacho Vidal makes it. Uh, anyway, so he is. It's much more palatable to a wider Charged audience. with <laughs> reckless homicide after a toad venom death. Uh, so he poisoned somebody. Well, I mean, kind of. Like he gave him a toad to 
<laughs> and they licked it. So uh, a man died during a ceremony involving toad venom. Um, there was an 11-month investigation. Man, how could you remember any details 11 months later? <laughs> well, you probably write stuff down, yeah. buddy. Well, I'm when, when I don't you're when you're tripping on shooting from the hip, tripping on toad snot. It's hard. I can't imagine remembering a whole. It's lot. just like it's just like the new LA thing. It's not. It's like a, like an ayahuasca thing. So it was a it was yeah. a spiritual or mystical ceremony. Um, took place in Vidal's home, uh, involving inhaling venomous vapors. Um. Sounds like from the idea. burning scales of a oh bufo alvarez toad bufu bufo <laughs> bufo alvarez toad. Oh, I went to school me, with bufo alvarez. Oh yeah, nice guy, great guy. Yeah, he's a good yeah. guy, great guy, exceptional guy. <laughs> the bufu he's what? A good guy, great guy. <laughs> I don't think it was Bufu. Bufo sure. Alvarez. <laughs> That's my newborn name. It's Colorado <laughs> River Toad. Bufo Alvarez. <laughs> it's Alvarius. Apparently. It's Bufo no, Alvarius. It definitely is. It's a Colorado River Toad. Apparently you can kill people in uh, in Spain. Uh, and only have to do four years in prison. Just kill people with toads. <laughs> Burning toads. <laughs> I already know that's that's the winner tonight. <laughs> that's Brandon Andrus. <laughs> Bufo Alvarez. <laughs> Fucking Bufo Alvarez. I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh, God. Good old Bufo. Oh, my God. Anyway, this is our podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bufo Alvarez. <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. Man, You're just go 14th. It's 9.30. I have to work tomorrow, Michael. Yeah, I got to try five, <laughs> ten hours tomorrow. Um, oh. I'm really having a hard time finding my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diana Butler Bass is an award-winning author, popular speaker, inspiring preacher, and one of America's most trusted commentators on religion and contemporary spirituality. She's been a Rolling Stone. She holds a doctorate in religious studies from Duke University and is the author of 12 books, maybe more. Who knows? We've lost count. Uh, her bylines include uh, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN.com, Atlantic.com, USA Today, Huffington Post, Spiritual Spirituality and Health, Reader's Digest, Christian Century, um, and Sojourners, and... Uh, what was the one you just said? Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Uh, she has exactly commented on uh, religious uh, or religion, politics, culture, and the media widely, uh, including C CBN. Or no, sorry, not CBN. It's not that one. Nope. Jesus. Nope. <laughs> CBS, CNN, uh, PBS, NPR, CBC, Fox, Sirius XM, 
Time, Newsweek, Rolling Stone, and multiple global... What the hell is she doing on this podcast? I know. Yeah. And yet somehow she likes talking God to us. damn yeah. it, man. She lives in, uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, with her dog and sometimes successful backyard garden. She's been on NPR. Let's introduce her like NPR. You're listening. Act one. Scene one. Scene one. <laughs> Diana. Cut. Butler Bass. You're listening... You do have kind of an NPR voice. You're listening? Nope, not now. To NPR. Nope. No. That's not, nope. Way no, too much think, heavy breathing. No, I think NPR do? sensual is not really on the uh, radar screen. Let's, let's back up on the sensual talk when Michael's saying stuff like that. Like <laughs> That's not the word that comes to mind. Sensual? Yeah. Sexual? Is no. That the word? Michael, Boy, this went off the what, It really did. Sorry, Diana. <laughs> I mean, you knew what you were getting into, I guess, but damn. Uh, anyway, really like this interview. She's yeah. A, she's just a blast. Yep. She's a delight. Yep. Here we is. go. Here's our conversation with Diana Butler Bass. Further up, further in. Further up, further up, further in. Yeah. 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 Hey, and then we're live. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome to a professional podcast. Yes, we are a professional <clears throat> podcast. Diana, you were so timely today. You were you were here before two we thirds were. of us were. <laughs> I I checked in ten minutes early, and then of course my Wi Fi blew up. So yeah. <laughs> what can you hey, do? It works out. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the on the podcast. I was saying earlier that we're always surprised when people agree to come on, and then it's it's a big shocker when people agree to come on a second time. <laughs> like hmm, you didn't learn. So, thank you so much. You're here to talk well, about your book. Those are the really crazy ones, like Brian Zahn, that have been on like four times. I don't yeah. know what he's thinking. Well, <laughs> I was actually thinking that you were all brave to have Brian Zahn on four times. <laughs> That's fair. Well, we're busy fans. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you're here to talk about your new book, um, "Freeing Jesus." There's for for our listeners that our people are watching the yeah for listeners that's good radio yes, yes it, it, we're a radio show two hundred four ninth episode we haven't figured out that people can't see us yeah, yeah. yeah. guess what I'm doing um, so um, where where do we where do we start Matt I'm not gonna, <laughs> with I'm gonna the hand, book yes yes so I mean there's the, like you said the book's called freeing Jesus there's no shortage of like of books about Jesus in bookstores you know written from literally every possible angle and motive and for every possible audience and you have written any number of books about christendom and, and things surrounding that for i mean for decades now uh, books and articles and, and too numerous to even count so i guess a couple questions would be why write about jesus now and who is this book for or maybe better said who are we freeing jesus from and for Oh, well, that's a complicated group of questions, more so than I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you guess. That was um, a machine kind of question. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. All four at once. And so I, I, the first thing is that I did not really plan to write a book about Jesus because I thought, why? You know, there's like mm -hmm. a million books about Jesus. And so why should I add one to all this mix? Uh, but as I was doing some of the, the footwork around it, one of the things that I discovered is that in the last 30 years, uh, despite all of those books that are on, you know, like my bookshelves behind me and your bookshelves too, it is that there is not a book that you can walk into a bookstore by a liberal Protestant mainline woman about Jesus. Huh. 
liberal women, uh, liberal Protestant women, when they write books about Jesus, they basically write books for like Oxford University Press or, or Cambridge. So they write very academic pieces. You know, I think because mm-hmm. women are still in the process of proving their credentials, you know, and they're working yeah, sure. in colleges mm-hmm. and seminaries and stuff. If you want to buy a book that, you know, you can just go into Barnes and Noble and find um, about Jesus and you look for books by women, uh, you're going to find two sets of books. You're going to find evangelical women write about Jesus. And there are lots of those. And some of them are very big sellers. And uh, And boy, are those good. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to comment on that. I was just going to say, I'm very generous with my my sister authors. And uh, they have their own audiences. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. (laughs) So um, that's a very political uh, political answer. Well done. Well done. That was your first test. Oh, thank you very much. I hope I passed. Um, but the ones that you might read in the churches that your audience might go to uh, would be uh, by Jewish women. So there's huh. like Amy Jill Levine writes about Jesus all the time. She writes great books. And uh, Paula Fredrickson, um, another person who writes more towards a popular yeah. audience. And she's also Jewish. And so there you have it. You might think there are a lot of Jesus books on the shelves, but if you're looking for a Jesus book that happens to be by a woman who's part of a mainline tradition, um, apparently freeing Jesus is going to be the only one for a while. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and there are a lot, a lot, a lot of white men writing about Jesus. <laughs> there really are. <laughs> And, and, and it's it's great to have kind of a like fresh... a lot of kind of like a lot of white men doing podcasts. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the, the Venn diagram was a yes, perfect it's, circle. It's a perfect circle. Yeah, yeah. sure is. Yeah. So. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's great to have a fresh perspective um, about Jesus. Um, what is it about Jesus that keeps um, you coming back to to him? Well, I think that it's that interesting question that Matt sort of set up, you know, 15 questions in the first five minutes. <laughs> and, and that is um, this idea of freeing Jesus. Um, part of the mission of this book and part of the story that I tell in the book is how Jesus kind of keeps getting stuffed in all these different cages or boxes. And that does no one any good. It does not yeah. do me any good as a person of faith that every time I feel like I've sort of gotten my arms around who Jesus is, I find out that I once again haven't. Um, mm-hmm. And that my, in order for my own faith to grow, um, it has something to do with Jesus. And I have to just keep pursuing these same questions about who, who is Jesus. Um, so, so it's a, it's a very personal kind of quest, uh, but it's also true I think right now that it's a political quest oh and that it's oh, a, yeah. that, that it's going to be a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that it's a cultural quest because if you have certain kinds of ideas about who Jesus is and how Jesus accomplishes salvation and what the point is uh, for Christian life and all those things, you're going to have particular kinds of social and political views, which, you know, may lead you to attack the United States Capitol. Um, (laughs) Because there were tons of Jesus signs there that day. And so that's one view of Jesus. And frankly, I think that I don't want to be part of that view of Jesus. And if we don't know how to get to a different view of Jesus, we don't know how to free Jesus of the sort of political boxes that Jesus has been put in, uh, we're going to wind up in an even worse place. 
in an, in another decade. And even though that's hard to imagine, we could get to a worse place. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I think we could. Yeah. And so, so freeing Jesus is personal, it's political, it's social, it's cultural. And of course, I think it's the never ending quest of theology. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, obviously freeing Jesus lends itself to um, the idea that, that people are constantly trying to, to put Jesus in a box. And I can remember that, that uh, Sunday school song. Um, if I had, had a little, little white, white box, box to put, put my, my Jesus, Jesus in, in. Mm-hmm. And, and we continued throughout our, our time in, in ministry and in church of trying to continue to stuff Jesus in our box. And, you know, C.S. Lewis, you know, is a mixed bag, obviously, but, um, <laughs> But he's, he says, has that line Scandal about uh, Aslan where he says, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Uh, and, and there's something about a Jesus that is risky um, that I, I think we, we've tried to tame him. Um, we've put him in those boxes. And I think uh, we lose a lot of the authenticity of, of his story and his life. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And, um, you know, for me, as I said a moment ago, every single time I got to a certain phase in my own life and I sort of thought I had the answers to the question about who Jesus was, I just wound up finding myself sort of trapped again. And um, I had to keep freeing Jesus in effect. And so what I've learned, I think through this project, and um, you know, this is only about my third or fourth interview on this book, so it's all very fresh and very new. Mm-hmm. Talking about it with with friends, um, you know, what I really learned in this project was not that it's that I'll ever get to the right place, because probably the next place I get to, I'll just discover that it's a diff- it's another box. Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> but what what I can do is I can in- integrate all these different Jesuses that I've learned along the way. And, and in effect, that's one way of getting Jesus out of a box, is that Jesus becomes a number of different interwoven narratives, um, and none of them fit neatly in any one sort of uh, corner or cage. And, and so there was a big personal part of this book for me to just say, hey, I'm comfortable. I, I I'm comfortable thinking about Jesus as savior. I'm comfortable thinking about Jesus as friend, uh, you know, presence, uh, lover, you know, all these different images. And not, not one of them is better than really another. But for me, the question becomes, how do I stitch them together in sort of a, a quilt of experience that is faithful to, um, I th- faithful to the Bible, um, faithful to uh, the best sorts of ways that I understand theology, faithful to living out the call of loving God and loving the neighbor, loving my neighbor. So, so, uh, so that's a bit of the project. It's like, let's move away from the idea of boxes and towards the idea of, of stitching a new fabric of faith. Yeah. And it's really difficult because I mean, you're talking about a guy who, I mean, it was, you know, 2000 some odd years ago or whatever. Right. There's not, there wasn't a lot written about him. And what we do have was probably started orally, mm-hmm. like t- stories being passed down that eventually communities wrote down. And obviously there was some stuff that was, you know, we don't know, did he say this or was this added later? There's, so like, there's this, you know, now that I'm kind of out of the church 
and have been for a while, but I'm still intrigued by Jesus in the story. Like I still, it's the language I still speak. Mm-hmm. It's the language that makes sense to me still, the story that makes sense to me still. Like it's, it's really, it, I'm finding it so hard to, I guess, I don't, I'm trying to exactly, exactly how I'm trying to say this, but like I'm finding it difficult to, come up with any sort of coherent who was he because it seems like it changes all the time and you know who i would have said jesus was 15 years ago 20 years ago 10 years ago five years ago now i'm like yeah i don't know you know and so it's like you're pasteurized cheese jesus yeah well i mean we kind of all grew up with the pasteurized cheese jesus Maybe government cheese Jesus yes. actually was probably yeah, probably more yeah. accurate. We got I had there. government cheese Jesus in seventy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was so poor. That's awesome. So I, it's just, I, do you find it difficult? Like, did you find it difficult to write this book? Because, like, it, when you're writing a book about Jesus, it seems to me that you have to you have to put forward some sort of like this is who I think he is. But at the same time, you're writing a book about freeing being free from those boxes like how did you how do you walk that tightrope i guess is what i'm trying to ask the the way that i did it was really through the the mechanism of memoir okay. i mean so so i tell a story of jesus but i'm also telling a story about myself sure a- and one of the potential titles early on was uh, to call the book me and jesus you know sort of a riff on the old um michael moore movie you know roger and me oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jesus and me and or jesus girl or something something to that effect and and um the Tuesdays point with jesus <laughs> there you go that's great <laughs> boy you really dropped the ball on that Sorry, one, Diana. Oh, my gosh, I really, that's the yeah, you've really got to consult us about these things next time I do. that should be for, um, the, for the you can rename it for the 10th anniversary yeah there you go so, so, you know, what I did was I looked back in my own life experience and I thought about, you know, how did I understand Jesus when I was a little girl? And how did I understand Jesus when I was in elementary school? And how did I understand Jesus when I was an adolescent? And so I, I literally went through this sort of you know, basic six or so developmental stages of, of life. And since I'm 62, I guess I've gotten to all six of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just can't, I can't wait to see if there are a couple more actually, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so I took those you know kind of classic six Piaget uh, developmental stages and then I thought you know how did I understand Jesus then yeah. and I let myself really live into those voices so when someone reads the book and they read the chapter about Jesus's friend. It centers around Sunday school before I'm even in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And what I try to do is when I'm into the storytelling itself, when I'm talking about the experiences, I've developed a voice that's about as close to a six-year-old voice, or it's not six, a four-year-old voice of Jesus that I possibly can. So I talk about the songs that we were singing and what the mm. woods look like and how Jesus used to live in my Barbie doll house and uh, <laughs> you know all these all these different things that really call you back to being six. And so in that sense, I couldn't judge myself. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I let myself just be that little tiny girl again. And whatever came up, I let it come up and I just wrote out of that. And then I take that experience and I run it up against 
theology and scripture and s- social issues or whatever happens to be relevant sure. um, to the topic. So, so in that way, I, it was so it was freeing for me because I didn't feel like I had to deny all these different parts of my own life, sure. and so I could integrate everything from the little tiny girl in the Sunday school classroom to the 15 year old girl sitting around the fire in the backyard of a friend's house in Phoenix, Arizona singing. I wish we'd all been ready in the middle of the 1970s, (laughs) you know, Oh man, that wasn't even the DC talk version. That was the original (laughs) Larry Norman. My friend, (laughs) it was, Oh my gosh. Uh, Those were, I mean, People talk about, you know, Christian contemporary music. Now they call it like CCM and it's like got a Grammy. This was back in the days when Randy Stonehill <laughs> used to come and play churches in Phoenix and you could walk up and just chat with them after the concert or Larry Norman, you know, say, hey, you want to go out for a Coke or what have you? And a bunch <laughs> of people in your youth group would take out Larry Norman. You know, <laughs> So it was, it was really weird to think it became this big professional glamorous thing right. where people make a lot of money. Because yeah, it was yeah. basically a rock, rock and roll church circuit, you know, back in the seventies. And so, I, but I could talk about that in such a way that was fun and a, a touch nostalgic, perhaps, mm-hmm. and um, really communicate to myself and to my readers. You know, why why was that good then? You know, I think it's crummy now. You know, I think I I would never. I, I mean, when my daughter and I have conversations about who Jesus is, I would never go to any of those sorts of theological places with her sure. that I went to with myself when I was her age. But yet, it worked for me then. And I was able mm-hmm. to just sort of take that and work with it. And then, you know, like I said, create a kind of a new fabric with it. So so that's one of the things that I, that I am really hoping... I can encourage people to do because part of I, I, I'm, I'm pretty committed to this. What I'm about to say um, part of spiritual maturity is being able to take up all the loose and ragged pieces of your own life experience and not denying who you were, but bringing them to your wholeness now. Yep. yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, part of the mo- what I tried to model throughout the whole of the book. A- and I, I, I felt really, I felt like I came to a new place with myself yeah. by writing it, this book. It, it seems like it was pretty therapeutic. Um, and, and I think we tend to look at some of the, the, the parts of our, our past that are a little bit, uh, we feel icky about. Um, but it, but it, I, I think if, we're not as quick to give ourselves grace um, about some of those, those, those icky bits, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this podcast for 249 episodes has largely been us working out our own shit. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been trying to come to terms with who we were and who we're becoming and who we are. And uh, you know, it it reminds me what you're talking about is, you know, Richard Rohr talking about you include and include and transcend that spiritual maturity and growth is you include all of that stuff all of, like you're saying like the the four-year-old the six-year-old the 12-year-old the, like the good and the bad you include all that because all of that has made you who you are but to grow is to transcend those things so you include them but at the same time 
you find ways to sort of build on top of that. Mm-hmm. You were so close to the Facts of Life theme song just then. Well, so <laughs> you take the good, you take the bad. Well, I really was, wasn't yeah. I? Well, you take them it, both. It's, yeah. it's the clicks that Rob Bell talks about. Yeah, I mean, there's the like, clicks there's a, that, I mean, any metaphor you want to pick, it's it's just those yeah. those clicks along the pathway that you have to go through to get to where you are now. Yeah, and it's 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 a lot of work. And I, and it, I, yeah. I think what was... Uh, surprising to me in this project it really is a it's a it really winds up being about jesus and me and what was and and in that sense it really winds up being about us you know um but um the things that surprised me is there were there's there's parts of the story that i tell that are sort of out loud laugh funny (laughs) um you know there's a there's a whole scene where i'm in college and i'm incredibly idealistic i mean I have always been kind of the the opposite of like Nadia Boltzweber. I was the I was the good girl. I mean, if there if you had to divide girl, you know, women up into the good girl and the bad girl, you know, somebody would put me in the slot with Rachel Held Evans as the good girl. They're the two good girl writers, and put Anne Lamott and Nadia Boltzweber in the bad girl writer slot. And so so, but I was I was like the good girl, and and so when I got to evangelical college, I wanted to be the very best evangelical young woman I could possibly be. And so, (laughs) so I was super idealistic and I just wanted to serve Jesus no matter how hard it was. So here I went to this evangelical college in Santa Barbara, California of all places, which is like, wow, that's tough duty for serving Jesus. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) God, another day of sun, whatever will we do? I know. I think I'll go witness to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry now. <laughs> Whatever you'll find him at Oprah's. Wherever Oprah lives, there you go. That's right. And so it's like you know, it's this beautiful, idyllic place. I went to college, and so all my friends and I decided, well, we're going to go. We're going to start street ministry. Oh gosh! And so we went. We started this is like street ministry in the tough part, you know, Santa Barbara, where everybody so, makes less than two hundred k a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a real downtrodden area. That's right, totally. You know, the real estate developers are all fighting over it, and um, <laughs> and so, but we were there, and you know, Santa Barbara has its problems: homelessness, mm-hmm. sure. drugs, yeah. drug culture, you know, all kinds of stuff. And um, the my my guy friends at that time uh, wouldn't let the the women in the group, the young women in the group, do certain kinds of witnessing because it was considered to be too hard. And so we were only allowed, oh, <laughs> we were only allowed, great. I know we were only allowed to talk to other women. Oh, okay. of course. Yeah. Of course. So that meant we got the, the, the sex workers, but mm. this was 1978. And I was like the nicest, most idealistic young evangelical blonde hair, blue eyed girl you ever met. And the idea that I would even use the word sex was like completely not in the picture and so i got the ladies of the evening (laughs) (laughs) that's what we call them and and um so one night i was with another friend of mine who was also uh, another woman and uh our job was to go and witness to the prostitutes and so we were talking to the ladies on some street corner when the police pulled up and lo and behold the I, I knew almost instantaneously that I was about to be arrested. 
<laughs> with all these prostitutes. And that's what the police started doing. This just started pushing all of the women into the paddy wagon. Oh. And um, this, my friend, I don't know where she went. She got away really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because she realized it quicker than I did. And so I'm standing It's just going, a pile oh. of clothes. Kirk Cameron got her. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going... Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to be with all the, I'm going to be with all these prostitutes. It's, Jesus would go to jail with the prostitutes. This is going to be great. You know, so, uh, let's go load them up. <laughs> that's right. So, so they're pushing me in the, the van when one of the women who was one of the workers looked at me and looked at the cop and said, Oh, don't, don't take her. She's not one of us. Um, and I looked, I was kind of startled. And, and she said, no, don't take her. She's a Jesus girl. <laughs> and that, and the, the cop literally pushed me out of the way of the paddy wagon and then drove off with all the other women to the jail. And so there I was standing on the street corner and I was completely like, on one hand, relieved that I wasn't going to jail and didn't have to explain this to my parents. And um, <laughs> on the other hand, I was sort of sad. Because I was thinking, you know, Jesus would have gone to the jail. And did I fail Jesus? And so, you know, that kind of story, to tell that story, yeah. you know, mm. with now oh, 35 years perspective on it or what have you, um, is, what, I guess, 40 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> time, is a, time is a vampire coming for us all. <laughs> So, uh, you know, to tell that kind of story is to, you know, tell a story about myself and to tell a story that's funny, but it also tells a story about evangelicalism in the 70s. Right. And um, this really kind of radical edge that it had. And it's also to tell a story about, you know, once you found Jesus as your savior at a, you know, a rock concert or a revival meeting in the 70s, where did it go from there? You know, it went mm -hmm. toward... Um, some pretty, really interesting forms of ministry and really idealistic, I think, expressions of what it meant to be Christian and to live in uh, a rapidly changing, you know, sort sure. of world. Mm -hmm. So there's stories like that. And then there are some other stories that are really pretty har harrowing. I mean, that one's funny. But um, I do get to the point where, you know, I basically got out of neo-Calvinism with my life. Um, and that was hard. And so there, there's, <laughs> yeah. the, the, so there's that whole range of human experience from, from light and childhood to, you know, kind of a serious, but funny idealism of teenage years to, oh my gosh, I literally escaped a theological fate that would have been worse than death for me. Mm. Um, and, and to tell that whole story. I mean, that's kind of where, you know, we, where your question sort of pointed me. It's not just telling the really horrible stuff. Sure. You know, but there's horrible stuff in the book and it's not just telling the really good stuff, but there is beautiful stuff in the book is that I, I think that I've yep. done what a mainline, what you might expect a person in the mainline tradition to do is to tell a story that includes both the truly horrible and the truly beautiful and to have that all be honest and yep. to let that, that crazy admixture of life 
take us to a deeper theological place instead sure. of trying to dress Jesus up in either dire sort of dark, you know, sort of tones or to say that Jesus is just like, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I, I'm really trying to cut a whole different space that's sure. deeply human. So we've really not even delved into the book that much. Well, it's fine. <laughs> we'll get there. I mean, we have. We'll I mean, we have, there. but like, I told yeah. a couple stories on my side. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got questions here, people. Um, in the book, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned in the book, in the chapter on, te- on Jesus as a teacher, you mentioned that so many Christians balk at, at kind of a, at the idea of referring to Jesus as like a, a teacher, like a wisdom teacher. He particularly is like roughly 80% of evangelicals voted twice for a man that literally stands as the antithesis of everything Jesus taught. Who? Um, huh? I don't know who you're talking huh? about. Her? <laughs> um, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, it took, you know, to quote Jars of Clay from my senior year in high school, uh, seems too easy to call you savior. Not close enough to call you a friend. Nope, that's no, not the line. Not close enough. What's that? How's not it close enough to call you God. Uh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> that didn't really fit my question. That's why I left that part out. Yeah. Uh, most evan- so most evangelicals are are content with you know the quote unquote salvation from Jesus, but they they really want nothing to do with his actual teachings. Um, it, it, can you just talk for a bit about G- about why Jesus as a teacher is so crucial and why so many balk at that particular title? But, but that was really the first serious theological stuff I learned was growing up in a Methodist church in the 1960s. And um, that was just what we were taught about Jesus is that he was a great teacher and that we were supposed to follow his teachings. And so that's what Sunday school consisted of was learning about Jesus and about what he taught. And that's what every sermon was directed towards is, Mm -hmm. you know, something, something that Jesus taught. And, I, I center in on the the main things that I sort of remember from those days. Love God, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. and um, also this whole idea of commands, which there are lots of them um, <laughs> <laughs> in both the Old and the New Testament. Right. And um, so so and I remember that from Sunday school. Um, so so I talk about commands. I talk about then the great command. And um, I also talk about how not only Jesus taught us what to do, but that he taught us through stories. And so I delve into the parables um, and what, how the parables teach, how stories teach. So that was just the familiar territory of, of growing up. And um, it wasn't until I was oh, 14 when my folks had moved Maryland, where the Methodist Church was in Baltimore City, and my family had been part of that church for about a hundred years. Um, and um, then we moved to Arizona, and everything was like up in the air. You know, everything was different. And we started going to a Methodist church, but the the church in our neighborhood was really, really dull. And I wound up in this. <laughs> I wound up in this bible church of all all places um it still exists it's giant now but it wasn't that big back in the 70s called scottsdale bible church and um i can remember sitting in a bible study with my new church friends and literally saying something about jesus being a teacher and everyone just stared at me like (laughs) I was, my hair was on fire or something. Right. I, I was like, I was so shocked. I, I, I didn't know what I'd said, you know? And they pulled me 
aside later on and show, showed me this passage in what was then a fairly new book, um, Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that a textbook at Johnson? No, I, or not by more, the time I, I got there. I think more evidence that demands a verdict was one. The sequel. Yeah, I think the sequel. I think the sequel was one, yeah. Oh, but there's a passage where Josh, where Josh McDowell lifts that whole section of C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. where Lewis says uh, Jesus can't just be a great moral teacher. That he, if if he was, then he's he's either a lord, a liar. He has to be lord, liar, or a lunatic. You know, yeah. that thing, that three things. That something. made it into several sermons I preached in my time. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, believe me, they gave me a sermon on that right there and then <laughs> when I was like, I, I was fourteen or fifteen years old, and so. They explained to me in no uncertain terms that if you believed in Jesus as a moral teacher, you're going to go to hell. And so oh, I had to, boy. I had to pick, you know, something boy, they else. Would, they would not like me right now. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> and and so I was really sad because I liked Jesus as a teacher, and that was, that was my theological framework. But they made me give it up. I mean, hmm. literally, they liter- made me surrender the idea. Of Jesus and never mind that it says Jesus taught. Well, I like, mean, in it's the, like in the Gospels, just, that's what he does most of literally the time. just teaching people. <laughs> yeah, Sermon on the Mount, literally just teaching people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that you brought that up because that I learned a lot in that chapter, not just from my own experience going back and thinking about Sunday school, but it was um, it was fun to uh, back up the story about Jesus as teacher with um, a teacher of the law with Moses mm-hmm. as teacher of the law and yeah. looking at the gospel of Matthew in that way and in, in that section of the book. Um, but um, I, I never knew until I was working on this book that Jesus is one of the earliest historically attested people that we know of to be called a rabbi because the whole idea of rabbinic Judaism was developing in the first century. It was, it was, yep. it was the same de- development that actually gives us the new testament gives us rabbinic judaism and um jesus is the oldest historical reference we have to any jew being called a rabbi and i thought that was astonishing yeah that the new testament is what gives us that historical background yeah, we'll wait until that church finds out that jesus is jewish boy are they in for a surprise <laughs> yeah. boy oh boy oh, no, not what? only is a teacher but he's a jewish teacher yeah i know <laughs> man big heads exploding in scottsdale <laughs> well and i know i know the that for us that the discovery of um via uh sir rob bell um the discovery that jesus was a jewish rabbi and like the the under learning to, or kind of coming to understand the the rabbi disciple relationship totally blew the doors off. Yeah, it of, changed everything. It ch- literally yeah. changed everything. I mean, it. Everybody listens to the podcast regularly, is rolling their eyes. Yeah, because um, we've told this story a million times. But it literally just blew the doors off of everything and changed how we viewed everything he did and said in the New Testament. I mean, it yeah. like a one eighty. I mean, it, it was it was unbelievable. And and to to know that that was sort of the beginning of the whole rabbi disciple. Relationship, I guess, was in that was developing in that. It's just, it's astounding. I mean, it really is, and what it what it does to just open up the the gospels um, in a completely different way. You know, and it's it's fascinating to me because my experience was growing up mainline, then becoming an evangelical, and then returning to the mainline, and then being in this very I, I, 
I'm in a very expansive kind of place now. You know, I still go to an Episcopal mm-hmm. church. I sometimes go to Quaker meeting. I, I do a lot of different stuff. Uh, and um, so, so my, my journey is a little different that I don't have quite those same memories of being a little kid and mm-hmm. knowing some of those songs that you all are referencing from Sunday school. <laughs> Thank goodness, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we grew up straight evangelical. Wait, what was yeah. the one about Jesus's army? Oh, I'm in the Lord's army. Yeah. That was a good oh, one. See, I learned that yeah. when I was a teenager, and I was shocked. Oh was my like, god! Yeah, well, you should really be because it's stuff? you know, it's yeah, like maybe really the most serious? unchristian thing ever. And we requested it every Sunday god, in children's it, church. It took me like <laughs> what twenty five years to go. Oh, oh god! <laughs> oh, oh! Um, why were we doing? Imagine what were we now that? if you saw a video of of adults <laughs> teaching grade school children that they're in an army and they are marching to the song and <laughs> saluting, saluting and in shooting the song. guns and flying warplanes yes I'm, like oh my god we're back i've never even thought about that direction i think yeah, yeah. For real. excuse no, me is this really? 1930s germany yeah seriously man and it's that, the real hitler that youth our, stuff. that's a look inside of our childhood Ooh. i had not thought about that for man me either, ever boy well, see, this is the place where i you know for years now i've written about liberal protestantism and how lovely the main line was yeah, and people have you know ridiculed me and laughed at me and you know all kinds of stuff uh for caring about this old tradition you know that they that was seen to be milk toast or sure. you know too whatever it was too nice you know and people make fun, <laughs> fun of right. that but the truth of it is is that i grew up thinking jesus was a great moral teacher and you had to take his teaching seriously so that <laughs> right, when i yeah. later on heard people singing about songs like i'm in the lord's army i was only 15 <laughs> years old and i could roll my eyes and say that's not the gospel right, and so yeah. you know once upon a time we had these very robust churches in america that started with that framework. Mm -hmm. They didn't start with the framework of, you know, saving souls or or taking over the culture for Jesus or anything like that. They started with this really simple framework is that Jesus was a great teacher. You're supposed to follow him. And this is what Jesus taught. Jesus taught about love. And like, what a, what a novel concept. Want, yeah, it's like, that seems like it's the cure for like half of the problems we have right now in American society. And so I just think to myself, you know, if, if people don't understand how beautiful that was and that, and that those kinds of churches actually do still have an enormous amount to offer people, um, you know, that just seems sad to me. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, for years I got mad at Stanley Howard was because, you know, every time Stanley Howard was would insult nice Methodists. It's like, well, come on, please. We really kind of need nice Methodists, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> well, it's another it's another stream of a very broad river. I mean, and we kind of in some ways. I, I will, I'll say on my better on my better days, I'll say we need all of those streams. I, maybe today I wouldn't say that we need the evangelical <laughs> stream so much, but um <laughs> we're fine but, with that being a trickle but yeah, yeah very small stream very small like a creek yeah i think it's um, more like a a stagnant tributary <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> cut low, off from the rest of the something, tide. A, something a beaver's damn low up. tide there's yeah. just dead fish everywhere oh um, <laughs> we've we've beaten this metaphor to death yeah. right. uh, as we're wont to do yeah but you know that's because we grew up i well i won't say we i grew up 
Matt and I grew up. Matt and I are brothers. I don't know if you knew that. Anyway, um, I don't think we, I knew that, but I can oh, see the well, resemblance. There are a lot of two boxes yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and our we had family that was Methodist. We grew up non-denominational, which was its own denomination. Um, <laughs> and but we had family that was Methodist. I, I remember thinking like there were times as a kid going, do do we need to save them? Like should they mm-hmm. be? Right. Yeah. Do I need to witness I, to him? It's like, God, like you look at that now and you're like, what in the hell? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's just insane. I had friends in, in school that were Catholic and Lutherans and I mean, just every sort of, yeah. you know, the disciples of Christ, those were the real ones going to hell, even though we literally <laughs> were the same damn movement at one point, <laughs> but they decided, you know, like, I don't know what the split was, probably something I, stupid about baptism, but like the color of the carpet <laughs> or the color of the carpet. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, you just look back on some of that. It's so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's so hard to include that because you just want to like let's just let's just push that aside. That that could yeah. I I, mm-hmm. I don't want to any part of that, but that was a very real part of our for upbringing. a long time. For a long time. Half my life was that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's just I don't know. It's it's when you say, you know, you're right. We need nice Methodists. And we need like <laughs> nice Episcopals and we need I know a few nice evangelicals. <laughs> My parents are pretty nice. They're still evangelicals. Um, you know, we, we kind of need all that. But I do want to ask this question because I think we, I asked, we asked, I asked, the, I, I will say I asked this question a lot of authors that we have on because I'm interested to hear your answers is, do you think there's like, what's the hope for the American church? Or is there any hope for the American church? When you look at, I said in 2016 that the evangelical church, that was the beginning of the end. Uh, I still wholeheartedly believe that, um, yeah. and because they they sold literally sold their soul for political gain and sold it to a guy that couldn't give a damn about them at all, other than for their vote. So, like, what? I heard he gives speeches at weddings now. Yeah, well, yeah, he sure does. <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're really, they're ins- really inspirational. Mm. Um, I so won like, that election. Yeah, that was the biggest victory ever. Good oh, by lord! The way, are you two getting married or something? <laughs> oh god, it's so gross. But like, what? What's in your mind? What's is there any hope for the American church? What What's it going to look like in twenty years? Is there going to be anything left? Well, you know, in some ways, I think that was the sort of the earlier part of the project that I was working on. You know, is that I ten years ago I saw that there was this really scary demographic handwriting on the wall and that unless um, churches did something quickly and adjusted to what was going on around them, that there probably wouldn't be that much of a future left for them. And so, you know, I don't know who listened, but um, (laughs) what I do know is that uh, Gallup came, came out today with their latest poll and for the very first time in I think it's seven or eight decades of surveying the American population um, about you know religious attitudes etc is that less than half of Americans are now members of either a church or synagogue or a temple mm-hmm. and so it's now 47% of the population it's first time ever wow. in history and you can see in particular the rapid uh, shift over the last 15 years because it kind of plodded along for a while and you could see a sort of steady decline. But then in the last 15 years, it was like, 
Yep. <laughs> yep. And um, that was a pretty good sound effect. It was. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Oh, actually. how about that? Um, so, um, <laughs> so, you know, what my work really turned to after the book called Christianity After Religion, which was my kind of uh, Vox Populi, you know, voice crying in the wilderness, change now or something horrible is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really turned my attention towards writing about faith in the world. And so I write a book on gra- called Grounded, which is, you know, an eco-spirituality yep, yep. about finding God through nature and neighbor. And then I write about gratefulness as yep. the primary spiritual practice that binds humankind together. And now I write this book, and it's about Jesus. Yes, it is a Jesus book. And there will be people in churches who love this book. And I think that if people in churches read this book, it'll give them some ways of thinking about and talking about Jesus that will be more life-giving to them in terms of, you know, being able to explain to their neighbors what what Christianity is about. But it's also very much a book about taking Jesus into the world with you. Um, this... This story is not church dependent. This story is a story of finding who Jesus is through the text of our lives. Sure. And what that means about the future of the church, I've actually sort of given up predicting. You know, I I love my clergy friends. I think they've worked really hard. They've had a brutal year this year. Yeah. And so many of them do just heroic stuff. Um. And I really admire them. And I would never purposefully do anything that would make their work harder. Um, so so I've always tried to be, I think, an honest cheerleader on, on their behalf. Sure. You know, but the other pieces is the honest piece and that they know this. You know, they, they, they see what's happening in terms of membership, in terms of mm-hmm. budgets and old buildings and people being very angry, very angry at Christianity right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, I'm a liberal Christian. And people go, it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. You know, it just doesn't even matter. You're part of the problem. You know, go give yourself 50 lashes and I might let you talk to me again. You know, (laughs) it's like so. So, you know, Christianity, because of white supremacy because of racism, because of Donald Trump, because of a whole bunch of bad stuff, um, you know, worked itself into a corner. Um, that's going to be very difficult to get out of in Let terms of institutional this, life. Sure. Let me ask this follow-up to that question. It, it, I don't want this to sound like a gotcha question because I don't mean it like that at all. Do you think you, you mentioned the Gallup poll of less was it less than half now mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. in 80 years or whatever? Right. Do you think that's a good thing for America? I'm of two minds on that. Okay. I, I mean, literally right now, I, I, and I, I, I hope this is actually helpful to people. I think that lots of people are coming out and you know they've got really easy and very facile answers. Um, and I just don't. You know, sure. on, on one hand, it's good in the fact that Christianity is becoming less, you know, whatever, uh, dependent upon particular cultural patterns. You know, so that means that, that as as communities, there's going to be a lot more freedom to uh, speak 
out of theology to engage justice more fully to not be so embedded with sort of cultural Christianity and to be different you know it's becoming really. decentralized yeah and and see that's good too yeah. I mean I uh, that's mm -hmm. really good yeah. um, but the bad part is you know I, I I'm a little bit old-fashioned here is that I I miss some level of shared cultural frameworks for moral language it's not that we all have sure. to be exactly the same but if we had at least some ballpark agreement on what is what is truth not necessarily what is necessarily completely and absolutely true but that there is a thing called truth and that's a worthy spiritual ethical intellectual philosophical quest sure. um and that there's also something that's called goodness and also something that's called evil. Um, I think that we'd be in a better place. And see, right now we don't, we've got the memory of those things, but we have no coherence with it. And, and so I think that it's causing, it's causing a, a lot of problem. I mean, sure, lots yeah. of problems. Uh, I, th I think to answer Matt's question about why you for this book, I think you you just explained why. I mean, you don't have cookie cutter answers. It's not that simple. It's you have authentic answers, and and who better than a person to talk about an authentic Jesus and freeing that Jesus um, than somebody who comes at it with an authentic approach. Um, one thing I definitely want to touch on, I know we're getting close on time, but um, the idea of presence, um, and mm -hmm. I know that's towards the end of the book. Um, yeah. It's interesting in light of this last year, uh, the pandemic, um, for those who believe in the same, in some manner of, uh, of divine presence in the last year uh, would, would seem to suggest a profound uh, absence of the divine. Um, where have you been finding presence over the last year of uncertainty and upheaval? Um, what does, what does presence mean to you? Well, in the book, I, I share a number of different experiences, um, about presence and they are wrapped up because they're out of my experience, um, primarily in, um, marriage and motherhood. Um, but there's also a lot about sort of what I would call daily life. Um, and so the ordinariness mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's those kinds of, that's very Episcopal of you. <laughs> it is very Episcopal of me. It really, really truly is. And so, so, um, so I have that kind of, um, almost this homey kind of approach, um, to finding Jesus with us. Um, but there's other things in that chapter too. You know, I, I talk about being at ghost ranch in New Mexico when this huge rock fall happened and, um, that, uh, God was present there too. And it's in the, the, really the smashing, this sort of thundering smashing of the rocks on the ground that I felt, um, the presence of God. And, um, there was I quoted Lewis and I'm trying to remember what the oh the quote is is that that God shows up in the shattering of mm -hmm. what is what of what we expect so God shatters 
our reality. And so that's, that's an example of the opposite. So I think as an Episcopalian, you know, you might expect me to write nicely about motherhood and bodies and, and everyday life and mm -hmm. liturgies and that sure. kind of stuff, which Episcopalians write well about. But then there's this other piece and this really goes back to that, the CS Lewis thing I didn't quote uh, that, that was already quoted here in this conversation is that, you know, uh, Jesus is not tame. Uh, that that we're talking about presence as a wild thing, and so so this idea of the shattering of God um, became very important for me this year because everything I depended upon mm -hmm. was broke became broken. Um, we had a we had a terrible year. You know, I'm a freelancer. I have no regular paycheck. Mm -hmm. I get paid by going places and doing retreats and speeches and teaching clergy groups and all kinds of stuff like that. And there was no work and that kind of work. I had to rethink, you know, my entire sure. life. And it, that's really hard to do um, mm -hmm. when you're, you know, just a few, what am I, a decade away from retirement and I have to redo everything. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was hard. My husband actually did retire unwillingly um the company he worked for just said oh well you know you're 65 this year who cares if you wanted to work until you're 67 we don't have the money and so you're gone and so we <laughs> so that meant we my husband got um shown the door um in the middle of a pandemic forced retirement and the health insurance my family's health insurance was through his job and mm -hmm. so we found ourselves without health mm -hmm. insurance so no work no health insurance husband has no you know he's he's now having to adjust to, to to retirement our daughter she graduated from uva in may and our and she did it in our our sunroom so all these things we'd expected and you know hoped yep. for yeah not none of them happened mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. i mean just you know we had the whole we had the whole pandemic 99 yards of horrible news we had friends who got mm -hmm. sick we knew people who died we did not get sick uh, luckily um <coughs> excuse me we were able <laughs> perfectly timed <laughs> perfectly timed <laughs> if i didn't know better i'd say that was planned <laughs> i'm so sorry that's so terrible um, <laughs> that was magical <laughs> Isn't there a movie like that where all of a sudden the, the actress goes <laughs> and then she dies? Like, I think that's Zombieland 2, isn't it? Is that, <laughs> a few I don't remember. Later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I wasn't sick. I've actually had the vaccine, so I'm cool. Um, but um, the, um, you know, so, so it was bad. And everything I had hoped for, you know, in this period of my life, pretty much yeah. shat shattered. Well, sure. it's like Brad said. I mean, Brad and I were talking about this. He's like, we lost a year of our life. All we did. You're like, yeah. gone. Gone. Yeah. Right. We, we literally lost. A, and it's not that things didn't happen, but we literally lost a year of our life to to this disease and yeah. the mismanagement of this disease and all the uncertainty yeah. and all the fear. And um, it's I mean, it's a collective. It's a literally a national or a, a worldwide collective so trauma, international trauma, international trauma. Right. Yeah. yeah. In mourning. I mean, and it's it's not over. I mean, right. I mean, we're, we've still got a long way to go till we're through this, but. And see, that's the place where, where oddly enough, I see God. Is because 
it wasn't just me sitting in this and, and oh man have i sat in this space so much and been on this little <laughs> camera so much <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, so it's not just me sitting here and going through this misery, but it's, it, it literally is this shared human event. And so when we have the capacity to stand just a little bit outside of our own experience and look more widely, what we really see is, um, a whole human race Mm -hmm. that has shared loss and tragedy and tears and fear over the course of this this year and if god isn't present in that then there is no god yeah 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 and and that you know lands us kind of right where we are this week as you know for christians in particular we understand we we often see that story of the suffering shattering god or really the suffering shattered god um because the the story I tell about the rocks in New Mexico is that, you know, it scripture describes God is a rock. You are my rock. You're my rock of you're the rock of salvation. And yet here I was watching these these huge boulders fall off of the very top of a cliff in New Mexico. And they they I mean they crashed into a million pieces. And 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 all of a sudden it was like, God's the rock? Man, look at that. You know, God's laying in a million pieces at the bottom of that mesa, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, you yeah. know? And so so it's it, it really sort of turned me inside out and upside down. You know, it's to find God's presence in the shatter, in that that the moment of the rock smashing against the earth. And that's really what we've gone through this year. Mm-hmm. And so if God is is in that action, um, if there is you know, like I said, you cannot be, you can believe that that's just a thing. And there mm-hmm. is no God. But as a Christian, I theologically believe there is a God. And then I believe we we narrate that story in a very particular way during Holy Week. Yeah. To talk about how God, as embodied in the person of Jesus, suffers and is shattered. I mean, he's, he's shattered as a human being. Um, it's not just that he dies and he rises again. Yeah, sure. Right. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's tortured and he is shattered. As a, as a person. And yet the Christian story says God was there. And, and the, you know, the irony, of course, is when you get to the worst part of the shattering, Jesus cries out, you know, um, my God, my God, you know, why yeah. has thou, why has thou forsaken me? And there is in that almost a sense that God, God is presence in the for, present in the forsaking. Yeah. And yep. that's where we sort of back into this is this is I think where my appreciation of Jewish theology and how much mm-hmm. I've learned from several friends of mine who are rabbis in the last couple of years really comes into play because that that becomes like the Holocaust moment of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yet God was taking seriously the testimonies of people at Auschwitz that somehow God was even there. Yeah. And so it's even in the, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? What, and and the shattering of our lives and the loss of an entire year and the sadness that's gripped us as shared humanity. This really has been finding God's presence differently. Sure. Yep. 
It hasn't been fun. I don't want to go back no. home again. <laughs> no, absolutely I hate, not. I actually hate Good Friday. I mean, I literally, <laughs> I, I, I'm a Christmas person. You know, I love, I love Christmas. I hate Holy Week. And it's but been, yeah. it's been a year of a year of Good Fridays. Give me the tiny baby Jesus. <laughs> That's right, please. Shepherds, angels, the whole thing. I went right. all that. But um, you know, it's but but it's this part of the story is necessary too. You know, and I think that gets back to this idea of of memoir theology. Really, the book is a memoir Christology, and that Jesus is present in the joy in all of the Christmas moments of our lives. Jesus is present in the ordinary stuff of our mm-hmm. lives, and that Jesus is present in the shattering. And to be able to tell that entire tale and to stand somehow with it and in it faithfully and to be able to embrace it, um, a different Jesus then emerges from that picture. Sure. Do you want to do lightning round? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to do lightning round. Yeah, oh, I, I thought you had, I think you had oh, one more. Oh, well, no. Well, I mean, there, okay. I guess, you know, where, where can people find you online and support your work, I guess, would be the... The one, the final question. Uh, I have a website that points you to a whole bunch of different things, and from the website you can find my newsletter called The Cottage, which is hosted on Substack, and you can sign up. And right now you can it's sign good. Up I'm for, on it. You can sign up for free. <coughs> I do all kinds of fun things there. Yep. And then uh, Twitter is the other place where I talk a lot. You have to like <laughs> me talking about. You have to like me talking about sort of uh, things that sound vaguely heretical and a lot of politics. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Did, did we do a lightning round last time? I can't remember. Man, I, I can't don't remember. know. If it's yes. been a long. It's been. Did we did one. All right. Okay. Well, we're gonna. We probably will ask some of the same questions, but I'm gonna try and switch it up for you. Okay. Uh, and your answers may have changed. Um, what is what is your beverage of choice? Uh, I'm a wine person. You have a specific. I like Pinot a Pinot Noir, Santa okay. Barbara County. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> what is, that was the hidden. That was the hidden message there. <laughs> uh, what's the last album you listened to, start to finish? Oh, oh my gosh! I have no idea. That question trips up so, so many, many people. people. Yeah, because yeah. nobody listens to albums anymore. Yeah, it's all no. playlists. And <laughs> I, I was thinking the probably the last one I listened to, start to finish, because I just loved listening to it when I used to be on airplanes. Was the Dixie Chicks "Taken the Long Way." Oh, I love that album. I need it, I need it on vinyl. I mean, it's I old, it it's so old bad. but that's just great travel music. And, you know, it just is kind of rebellious and feminist. And I, oh, yeah. I, right. I middle finger right to George W. Bush. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> it worked for those Trump were the days, too. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember George W. Bush? That was fun. Remember, we thought yeah. that was the worst it could get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is what is the favorite uh, movie or television show that you've seen in the last year? It doesn't have to have come out in the last year, but you have to have watched it in the last year. Oh, this you're going to laugh at me. I'm really going retro this year. I watched the entirety of Columbo. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that I, is, that's a throwback. That is a throwback. I just loved it there was something just magical about living in los angeles in the 1970s and i just went for it i watched every single episode that's so good. um my husband was laughing at me my daughter thought it was hilarious um i practically have them memorized now oh man <laughs> that's, the, did, that's the first columbo we've had yeah definitely that, the first question i went through a murder she wrote phase for a little bit 
murder. Of course wrote. you did. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, if anybody what? in this podcast could go through a murder she wrote phase, it's definitely you. Who doesn't want Mrs. Potts on her typewriter? Come on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I needed Columbo because I needed a, a, I needed a police officer who didn't carry a gun. Okay, so that was like, Fair. you know, over and against George Floyd. I need a police officer who didn't carry a gun. And I also needed a police officer who was willing to prosecute uh, and, and just hound to death rich people who had committed unspeakable <laughs> crimes. And so, so Colombo, not only do you get Los Angeles in the 1970s, which is, like I said, kind of glorious, but you also get the the best police officer ever he's like my dream police officer he doesn't do violence he doesn't do guns and he goes after rich people and he always puts them in jail so <laughs> we need a gritty oh, reboot of columbo no we don't <laughs> who plays who plays columbo in a gritty reboot oh man i don't know eugene levy oh yeah it's eugene levy, oh, eugene levy. He's that's a good show yeah. <laughs> um Okay, what is the best sitcom theme song? Cheers. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's a yeah. pretty damn good. Hard yeah. to beat. Mm -hmm. uh, what goes on a hot dog? Mustard and onions. Ooh. Oh, that's, yep, that's my answer right there. There's an ongoing war in this podcast <laughs> that some of us like to also put ketchup no, on ours. No, or yeah. and or I argue, Exactly. No. I argue, and mayo, good Lord. Yeah, that's, I argue no. that ketchup belongs nowhere near a hot dog. Unless you're it's for four. hamburgers. Ketchup is yeah. for hamburgers. Um, Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Oh. Boy, or that the depends on, you can that throw kind of depends on the day, but I would guess the, the Beatles. Nice. Um, would you um, never talk again? But I was again. in Rolling Stone this year, and that meant a lot to me. So. Oh. <laughs> what, you were? Yeah, I got quoted a couple times in Rolling Stone. They did different stories on fundamentalists and eschatology and stuff, and oh, they liked me. Man, they kept cool. calling me up. Like, cool. It's like, so I wasn't on the cover, but I was in Rolling Stone. That's awesome. It puts us like one degree of separation from Justin Bieber, I think, it doesn't, doesn't it? I, He's probably he, been in Rolling Stone. More importantly, it puts us one degree from Justin Timberlake. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That is a handsome man. <laughs> w would you choose to never talk again or always say what you think? Oh, the, the the latter. Always yeah. say what I think. That's been my life. Yep, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, if you were a Care Bear, which one would you be? <laughs> well, that's a new one. I don't Do even know, know all the Care Bears. I'm gonna mix some of these up. You know what? Yeah. That was right between when I was a child and when I had children. So I have uh, no idea about Care Bears. Yeah, They're I don't. Like I don't one. know Care Bears. They're Do like little a... rainbow bears. They're cute, but I don't know Besi anything about them. Besides Jesus. <laughs> Who is your favorite Bible character? Mary Magdalene. Ooh. Um, do you believe in the multiverse? Yes. All right. Ooh. That's a definitive yes. Yeah. We don't yeah. often get a definitive yes. <laughs> we usually get, what? What's that? <laughs> Say, we get a lot of, uh, yeah. Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, My college roommate, her husband is a philosopher, teaches at Messiah College in wherever that place is in Pennsylvania. And, um, he has been for 20 years working on a book about atonement theory in the multiverse. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm so in. we're going to need his name when that comes <laughs> out. Cause that, that's that I'm is, totally in. Yeah, wow. I'm in. So, you know, if I didn't believe in the multiverse, I wouldn't have been able to even talk to them for the last yeah. decade. <laughs> well, if you didn't believe in the multiverse, the other version of you would. So that's correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
the version where the version where this is a good podcast right yeah i would say the version where we just didn't go through donald trump oh yeah Yeah, well well, in that one um is there a a particularly uh overrated band or um (laughs) musical artist that who's the most overrated overrated and why is it nickelback no they're not even (laughs) rated so you have to be rated before you can be overrated Oh, you know what? I wouldn't know. I had to be really pretty honest here. My whole musical education last 15 years, it's sort of what I gave up a little bit on when I really started, you know, writing books and doing all this other stuff. And so it all depends now on my daughter sort of feeding me things. And so she'll go, she'll, she'll be saying, mom, they ask you questions about music and you didn't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) So we we interviewed Richard Rohr and we asked him that question and he was like, oh, uh, well, I have to admit, I don't listen to a lot of modern music. Bono sent me his new CD. <laughs> Bono. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> sent his new CD, and I had to tell him, I, I just I, I just don't listen to anything like that. And So Richard Rohr, not even listening to Bono's crap when he sends it to him. So you're in good company there. Oh, man. Well, I, I did almost say that I had last listened to Taylor Swift's new album. Oh, good. Yeah. But I realized I hadn't heard it all the way through. And so I thought, well, the one that I really know that I listened to a lot was that Dixie Chicks album. But I have listened to a lot of that. And I really, really like her. And so I was thinking, well, Taylor Swift, she's not overrated at all. And so, no, no, no. I like Kanye West, you know. Oh, well, I mean, he's just weird. Started on Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so I have heard his stuff too. And it's like, okay, whatever. You're not on board Kim, with Kim his Christian Kim is making phase. the right decision to get rid of him. <laughs> Kim is making the right decision. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Those are those are words you can't say often. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't made a lot of great decisions. She's not heard that before. No, yeah, but that's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it's right. been like girlfriend. You know when they start sending out those like evangelical Christmas cards with the matching clothes. It's like, yeah. oh, honey, this story does not end well. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope. bail out, bail out. <laughs> or right. the save yourself now. Save hit, those little hit the ejection button. <laughs> the hologram of her of her dad, her pa- her father passed away. I just can't. <laughs> what? Can't she she Kanye made her a hologram of her his of her father. Yeah, her her dead father. Boy, with what? like words and stuff. Oh, talking. Boy. Yeah. Mm. Just well, goes to show well. when you got too much money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much. Money. That was a weird note in this interview. Right? Yeah. <laughs> let me ask. Let me. Let Con, me. Not, not your fault. It's Michael's fault. Like no, it, Kanye West holograms. Yeah. And, let, well, let, he did write about Jesus. You know. So <laughs> would you? Would you? Uh, re, what, when are you going to come out with the book about Jesus? <laughs> no, freeing Jesus. <laughs> That's the sequel. No. Um, would you rather be attacked by a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? <laughs> oh, I have to choose there. Uh, the big duck. Okay. I think that's right. <laughs> Small horses would be way too cute, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, think my husband I got thrown off of them. a horse, and I, I oh, kind of wow. have a scary horror of horses recently. Yeah. Horses are lame. No, they're not. Yeah, kind of. Michael. <sighs> we'll, we'll talk about this later. God, now we're going to have to ask her another question. No, you just I, made it no, weird I again. I can't do this. God. 
She wants. She probably has to go eat dinner All or right. something. Maybe we're we're going to wrap end it up. this interview. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> Buy the book. Freeing Jesus, Diana Butler Bass. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, anytime you want to come on, yeah. you are more than welcome. Even if you don't have a book coming out and you just are bored <laughs> on a Tuesday night or Monday just, night, just whenever, ring us up. just be like, "Hey, I'm I'm coming on." And we'll like, "All right, clear yep. clear anytime. the book. We're we're doing it." Well, so. it's a pleasure to write books that you all like, and um, you know, this one was just. Um, it, it was really fun to write and it was sad to write. And I just hope that it can help kick off a much healthier, uh, joyful conversation uh, yes. a, about Jesus. Absolutely. What? <laughs> post later. <laughs> do, do we have a post? No. <laughs> I'll show you my post. <laughs> See? I just, I knew when I said it. That's my fault as soon as I said it. Five stars get red, but one star is dead. What are you doing? Yeah. I don't know why when I started doing that, but I did. Feedback. No five stars. If you love us, you will give us a five star review, and you will call four eight four pastored. Leave a fucking September September third. Yeah. People are busy. It's not like they're at home. No, they are at home. It's a fucking pandemic. I know, you fuckers. Gonna <laughs> have time to write a goddamn review. Who cares, Brad? We're all dying. We know. Uh, <laughs> we're all. We're all hurling on a rock. Did you ever give an update that you don't have cancer from last week? Oh yeah, I had now? a. Uh, wait, we never did good news. Oh, we didn't. No, that's what we were missing. Oh, man. I had oh, a, the bright I had a, side. Yeah, I had a couple yeah, of bright sides, shit. too. shit. We can do it now if you want to. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have time for feedback. Do Nobody's... All right. Do. Why not? Yeah. Let's throw, <laughs> throw a random... Look yeah. You're listening to Look on the Bright Side, Mr. Brightside himself, Brad Polly, not dying of cancer. Always look on the light side of life. All right. What do you got? I mean, I don't have cancer. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, the camera shoved up your asshole. Yeah, that was the best nap I've ever had. Oh, it is. I mean, it's, Jesus. Yeah. Did you? Did you find? Oh, out? here's a fun. Here's a fun development that I wasn't expecting. You enjoyed it. I I I enjoyed the anesthesia. Yes, oh, absolutely. The, the butt stuff. I knew nothing about it. Nothing. You weren't sore. No. Got it stretched out already. All right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It was you and I just. It was you and not me this time. God, what the hell is wrong with you? Yes, I love it. It's so much better from this side. Uh, God, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> fucking Dan. Uh, that should be a segment. What cancer does Brad have? Today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. That, that makes up for anything you've ever said that's been awful. Anyway, then <laughs> send us a jingle. I had a colonoscopy. I don't have cancer. I don't have anything. I don't. I don't have. I don't have any cancer. And right now, my gut feels better than it has in forever. Which is actually, you had a camera in your asshole. It's actually one of my other bright sides. Com- is drinking a lot of kombucha. No, I. Oh, it's like drinking hipster vinegar. I hate it. I fuck. It's like hipster piss. It's fucking gross. I, I'm gonna shut that water on my nose. Um. Uh. Oh, I've been doing intermittent fasting the last oh. week or so. Um, I have to. I took like 10 minutes between Cokes. I'm not even. 
<laughs> and, and you know what? You know what? People think that's a joke. It's, it's not. not. He's just the most undisciplined <laughs> motherfucker I've ever known in my hey. life. I'm, I'm quitting pop. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen God, that. God, just the I. most undisciplined. Remember that time I tried to run? Yeah. I remember. Sex back over it. it. Forever changed the podcast. Yeah. Always always take the under with Matt. Whatever the under is on how, how long it'll take him to quit something. Take the under. Oh, man. Solid, solid bet. That is a, yeah, that's a sure winner. Uh, so, anyway, I just been, I've been doing it... Uh, I've been reading up a little bit about it, and I've seen a lot of people I know that have done intermittent fasting, and um, so I, I've been doing. Uh, there's like different kinds that you can do. I do a sixteen-eight, so I fast for sixteen hours, eat for eight hours. So what's that look like on a day? Like uh, so I'm doing mostly. You can set it for any time you want. I'm doing. I can eat from noon to eight. Because that oh, works okay. for me because I'm not a big breakfast guy anyway. Yeah. So that can work for me at work. I can um, do that. So that's you, that's you drink, one of them. You just drink water pretty much. Yeah. Okay. What's it for? Just food edging? and coffee and yeah, food edging. Yeah, it's food edging. Oh, <laughs> this potato tastes so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even doing it for like any sort of weight loss. I'm just doing it for improved gut health because I also take a probiotic. And one of the things with fasting the one of the biggest benefits is it gives your gut bacteria time to regenerate after you eat. So you basically do eight eight to noon is you don't eat. Eight PM to noon. Yes. Now, or drink how, anything but water. Water and coffee. I'll have coffee you, in the morning. How do you feel about the amateur biotics? You <laughs> exclusively pro <laughs> I, I, that actually is that's actually not a bad joke, man. Anyway. I mean, it, it kind of is. That actually is pretty good now that I think about and it. And then my, my last... Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm in, actually enjoying that, and I'm feeling pretty good, and I think it's having a positive effect on my gut, so oh. in a good way. I could probably swing like so eight, eight to noon. the third one is... I, I give him three days. Three days. I didn't say I was going to do it yet. Just give me a minute. Now, you need, you need to be prepared, and we need to have a bet on it. Yeah, right. that's fine. I'll win this one. No, you won't. <laughs> you won't. You will not. There's no fucking way. All right. God. That's we set the over-under, not you. Okay, that's fine. You set the over-under on this one. God. Anyway. I'll let you know when I'm going to start. So uh, my other okay. one's like... Double or nothing for Brad's 10 bucks. I got my... <laughs> 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 I got, I got uh, my first uh, vaccine dose today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I'm glad you guys aren't going to die. Yeah, well, not yet. <laughs> Still... You, go, you have a couple more days, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, that was that was good. Good. Um, uh, Matt, I had, uh, kind of a good weekend overall. I mean, I was off. The weather was <laughs> he wasn't working. Wasn't so working. That's, that's automatically like ninety five percent of the battle at that point. <laughs> Matt having a good day? Is he working? <laughs> oh, I haven't complained yep, in at least two knows. weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, we've well, we've had a full crew. That helps. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Matt had to work less. That's, well, that's <laughs> literally what it is. Yes. <clears throat> I don't have to chase down three different lines. Uh, um. Yeah, when I'm the subject matter expert, you know your crew's kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Friday, um, it was nice out during the day, and so that was we. I was kind of outside some, which was just nice. It was nice not to be thirty degrees. Um, we met my son's Lenny's girlfriend. Yeah, Lenny has a girlfriend. I got to meet her. Yeah, she's nice. She's very nice. Yes, uh, she is older than him. She's twenty, I think. Oh wow! And he's he's eighteen, which is that's whatever. 
They had pre-cal together in uh, Lenny, high school. College poonhound. Yeah. I mean, she has her own house with a roommate. So what? Yeah, and he was down there last night. Well, I guess I should buy him some condoms or something. Oh I don't boy, know. you haven't well, had that talk yet. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked. Yeah. No, you haven't. Yeah, we have. Bullshit. No, we have. He listen after after being a brother to Jude, he doesn't want kids right now. So. He understands the importance of. Uh, you gotta you know, wrap that up. Yeah, you gotta put a bag on that shit. Um, no diggity. Yeah, no diggity. No. You gotta bag it up. Mm-hmm. We should have the sex talk on the podcast with one of our kids. We should. Do Who's it. next up? You should have Lenny come down. Oh my Sometime god! We'll get him with sex. Talk. He would never. He doesn't know. He would no, never. We, can't, we don't tell him no. what we're doing. He'd no. leave. We'll do it next week, right before the chip challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so that was friday so she's very nice um like i said they, they were in high school together they had like pre-cal together and stuff so they, they've known each other for a while been talking for a while and he sort of just made it official a couple weeks like over spring break so what? check yes or no what, what? <laughs> i thought a vision of michael saying something in response what? What? <laughs> he looked at me and smiled. <laughs> oh Christ! Dan just offered to give Lenny the sex talk. <laughs> he has to give it in Romanian. He has a doctor. He has to give it in Romanche. <laughs> doctor Andy Nixon here. Oh. Anyway, uh, and then Saturday, uh, Michael was still traveling. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> it's his bright side. Yeah. No, 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 no. Michael was gone. We had to get together at our house. Brad and Mandy came up with, their, with uh, Miles, and the, the oh, Abram came down later. Yeah. Ezra fucked off. Yeah. Uh, and then the Casey's brought their horde up. Um, <laughs> the Casey brood. The Casey brood. Yep. And we just, we, we cooked out. It was, it was one of those days. It was 70 degrees and sunny, and it was just gorgeous all day. So we sat outside and ate and drank and smoked. And I just want. Just, and Brad and I went to Tyson's and tried some whiskeys. So I just want really good ones. Michael <clears throat> Moncton to know that if I hung out with you, it would be one of my bright sides. <laughs> so, yeah. Throwing that out. Anytime you hang out with. Moncton, you didn't mention it's... Michael Moncton and your bright side. He wasn't here. Michael. He wasn't here. You, didn't you guys just hung out with him recently? What was like. When was that? A couple weeks ago. That was, no. no, that was in the middle of the week, wasn't it? It was last week while I was on vacation. I'm just saying, Michael. It was. I just don't know. I don't it's remember when it was. It's been a few days. Well, we've had. I mean, we've. It's been two weeks since we've met. So there we recorded. were pictures on the internet. Yeah, I know. I don't remember when it was though. It wasn't this weekend. It, it, anyway. it wasn't this weekend. It was last week. Michael, what is your bright side? I'm just saying. <laughs> it had to be Monday or like Monday. I don't know what day it was. I don't either. I don't Michael. either. I know I was on vacation and I was like, damn it. Anyway. Um, Fuck, what day was that? It was a weekend. <laughs> it was Sunday. You took off uh, two Sundays ago, and I ended up right working a short enough shift that I was able to go. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Michael, uh, my right side is vacation. Uh, yeah. I spent some time with my family. Yep. Hung out with my new niece. Um, she's a year now. Like that's but I've only crazy. seen her twice. Davy's kid. Yeah. Man, that's I've crazy. only seen her twice. Um. Well. Yeah. They live twice. in Nashville, right? Uh, they live in Columbia. Which so, is near Nashville. Yeah, it's a suburb around. of Nashville. So it's a really cool town. Columbia is. It's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So went to Legoland. Saw <laughs> of, I love Legoland. Saw a lot of Legos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Cool. All right, d- d- where are we at? 
feedback all right yeah yeah we did yeah we fucked everything oh up my and, gosh yeah. where i was like we gotta do that we haven't gone into foofy yet man and i re- re- remembered time is a mystery no it's gonna Michael. it's gonna be hard for me to put this like i want to go to bed put this episode to, uh, together in a way that makes sense yeah i know well we paid close attention and we wrote them all down <laughs> now it's time to decide our Hashtag. Hashtag C.S. Lewis is a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, he is. Hashtag Tuesdays with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I needed Columbo. That's awesome. Hashtag Kim is making the right decision. <laughs> Hashtag you can wear a cock sock if you want to. <laughs> uh, Hashtag why does it crunch when I walk? <laughs> Why does it crunch when I walk? Uh, hashtag worship. Hashtag workshop that down with the chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <coughs> probably gonna want to leave that one out of your tight five. <laughs> You want to leave that on the Letterman set. Uh, hashtag power cords with your baby hands. <laughs> <laughs> this is me referring to Michael. I celebrate the, the guy's entire catalog. <laughs> uh, uh, I know the wedding singer soundtrack. <laughs> Man, I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Half a hectare of pizza. <laughs> a what? Oh, gotcha. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're gonna say. I've been to a hectare before. Good times. That's that's the winner. It's over. No, it needs to be next week. No, that's over. <laughs> Hashtag government cheese Jesus. Yeah. Hashtag Kirk Cameron got her. <laughs> Hashtag why does it crunch when I walk? <laughs> Hashtag mission dating. Oh, yeah. Hashtag a lot of songs about hands. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag half a hectare of pizza. <laughs> Hashtag Bufo Alvarez. It's Bufo Alvarez. Bufo. Right. No, 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 it's, it's got to be Bufo. No, no, it's, it's Bufo for sure. All right, I've got. It's my MMA name. Hashtag, Bufo Alvarez. Hashtag the dark poly. <laughs> hashtag cock sock uh, Hashtag why does it crunch when I walk <laughs> Still love that one uh, Hashtag chirpies <laughs> STDs for You're peace. so proud of that I am uh, Hashtag small octopus in her hand <laughs> uh, Brad said this during the interview Started orally <laughs> You know what? And when I said it, I th- I literally thought I said it, I went fuck. <laughs> Michael's gonna jump all over that. Government cheese Jesus. And when she said um God's the rock, I couldn't stop thinking of Dwayne Johnson. God's the rock. Oh shit. <laughs> you smell what the god is cooking. <laughs> 
It's got to be Bufo It's Bufo Alvarez or I'm leaving. <laughs> We're done. We're not going to make it to next week if it's not. One of my favorites in a long time. Leave us a message, voicemail for uh, for Pastor. Um, <laughs> phone number's in the show notes. If you've listened to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag, hashtag Bufo Alvarez. <laughs> doesn't matter how you spell it. doesn't matter. We're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At Paul and At MJ Basement. Oh, my God. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast you're listening to. Um, <laughs> we're at GloriousBastards.com. Where is all my notes for this shit? Um, check out our website, GloriousBastards.com, JizzMuzzle.com. Support us on Patreon. To get access to our bonus podcast, bias around. Uh, got a shout day, Matt coming of this show. If I can I'm finish it, running out of deep thoughts with Michael. I mean, I, I had a backlog. and did ten and I one. I can help you with that if you want. Well, I've got a bunch of them. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't, need, I don't need your deep thoughts. Somebody needs your. That's what Dow to Matt is for. Yeah, I got a go fucking man. Yeah. Yeah, oh we'll God. be facebook.com slash pastors podcast next week. Watch us live 7 p.m. Eastern with uh, Bojangles Appalachia. Bufo Alvarez. Appalachia. Coming Appalachia. Bufo Alvarez. Like a blitz. <laughs>